High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to a very special edition of High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results... Why is this a very special edition of High School Slumber Party? Well, that's because it's your sophomore yearbook special. That's it. You guys did it. You guys are officially at the end of your sophomore year. And I want to thank you so much for voting on our social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter. You can't vote on Instagram, but thank you for being a follower on Instagram. Really appreciate it. I'm so excited for this episode. So excited. But first... Your homework. Did you do it? I hope so, because we're going to find out today if you are going to summer school or not. So I'm checking that homework. You better have crossed those T's, dotted those I's, and done everything necessary to go on to your junior year. And your homework, of course, was, well, let's talk about the regular homework. Did you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play? If you didn't, I'll give you a chance. Do it now. Did you tell a friend about High School Slumber Party? Do they all know? Do all your cool friends know that this is the coolest podcast on the planet? And if they don't, tell them. I'll give you some extra time to do that. Hmm, what else? Did you get John Cusack to unblock us on Twitter? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) God, I'm so excited for today's episode. I can't say that enough. Other homework, of course, was to listen to last Friday's episode, our awesome Ferris Bueller episode, one of my favorite movies of all time, one of my favorite episodes of all time. Big thank you for Christian Larson for hopping on that episode. And I got a feeling that for our sophomore yearbook today, that Ferris Bueller might qualify in a lot of categories and probably be the winner in a lot of categories too. But you'll just have to listen further to find out. Whoa, 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 the bell doesn't dismiss you, I dismiss you. This might potentially be your last day of your sophomore year, but that doesn't mean you don't follow the rules. Come on, follow the rules, geez. Plus, you might have to get used to that bell this summer if you need those extra credits to become a junior. Oh, junior year, I'm so excited. But let's not jump the gun. We're still technically in the sophomore stages, if you will. (laughs) Well, I promise you, I'll let you know what our summer status is going to be. 
later in this episode. And speaking of later in this episode, our sophomore yearbook episode, our co-host today is Joey Lewandowski, the godfather himself. He'll be here, and he's going to help us MC this and help break down all the amazing categories that make your sophomore yearbook so awesome, so special, and a memorable keepsake for you to keep as a treasure in your home forever. And speaking of memorable keepsakes, you're going to have to remember the class song for this year. Of course, why wouldn't you? Let's break down that category right now, just so you're prepared for when you walk down the aisles as a sophomore for the last time, that you know the words to what it's going to be. So again, thank you guys for voting, and here were the nominees. Big Bad Wolf, from the movie Teen Wolf. Do the Hippograph, from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Donkashane, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Twist and Shout, also from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Through the Trees, from Jennifer's Body. Heroes from The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and Two Sir with Love from Two Sir with Love. And the winner is, drumroll please, Heroes by David Bowie from the film The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And guess what? Pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on, our end of sophomore year party on. I cannot Wait, how many times have I said that? I don't know. But it's just, I put so much work into this podcast, and you guys flatter me every week by listening, and I appreciate it so much. And it feels so crazy to think that we've had two school years completed. So I'm going to leave you with your class song, and I hope you're singing along Heroes by David Bowie. Class dismissed. shoes to fill. I was listening to last year's episode and 
It was actually better than I thought. I mean, not that I thought it was bad, but I was entertained. I was laughing. So I feel like Kanye West listening back to my stuff and enjoying it. But still, I mean, big shoes to fill. I don't know. We didn't do an introduction of you last year, so I don't think we have to do one this year. Or do okay. we? I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to introduce yourself? This is your show. I'm just here for the ride. I know, but this is your network. That's true. You're just here uh, for gonna, the obligation. I'm going to say I'm gonna say no introduction. Let the mystery be a little bit. If people <laughs> want to find out about me, there's dozens, not dozens, but maybe a dozen episodes that I've been on. Well, Joey Lewandowski, it's our sophomore year. Sophomore year has come to an end. Yes. I love this yearbook special because we get to see who the slumberers decided won our superlatives this year. And if it's anything like last year, you're going to be disappointed. (laughs) I think that's fair. Oh, yeah. I forgot how sad I was last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think you lost almost every category but one, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Yeah, that that seems about right. But I did not win. I did not lose, but I did not win. Well, this sophomore year was very interesting, and I really noticed it when I was putting together the ballot for this category where there's some high moments i don't know if there's low moments i don't know if there's ever low moments on high school slumber party but it was certainly a year of a lot of movies i didn't see and i feel like in high school sophomore year is kind of like that freshman year you're getting your feet wet but sophomore year you're just starting to adjust to what place you are in the high school hierarchy of course yeah you uh you're no longer the small kid on campus uh, you can bully some people around if you want you have a little bit of the understanding of the way the world works and you're ever so closer to your senior year, and then maybe, hopefully, for this podcast, your super senior year. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the, the slumberers want that. And there's going to be a big surprise revealed later about summer school and such, but, you know, oh, the goal yes. of high school is to graduate, so maybe they don't want a super senior year. Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, there's there's enough movies to last it, I can tell you that much. That is true. <laughs> and I have an assignment for you, Joey, for Uh-oh. this episode. Ooh, Okay. At the end of every episode of High School Slumber Party, I ask what sleeping bag you'd be bringing to the slumber party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't want to put you on the spot now. So as we go through nominees, I want you to be thinking about what would be your sophomore year sleeping bag. Now, it could be one movie. You can combine elements. Anything you want, really. But just keep it in the back of your head. You got it. I can do that. I was uh, not ready for that, but I'll make it work. I'll make it work. And before we start talking about some more awards here... I just want to give a shout out to the actual class of 2020. This was a really, really hard year with COVID and quarantine and everything else that's going on. And it was kind of like, I don't know, sad to see so many 2020ers not be able to walk in their graduation. I know different towns did different things. And I just wanted to give a little salute to the real class of 2020. Hell yeah. That's great. I think that's very nice. I know you've been shouting out your healthcare heroes, but you know, to pay respect, to pay, I don't know if it's respect, but to, to acknowledge that the, uh, I don't know, target demographic of this podcast, I don't know. Who is this for? Is this for you? I don't know who this is for. I don't think that's the target demographic because so many of my guests are like, teenagers are the worst. <laughs> so maybe not. True. But as I look back, I think back on my graduation and not that it was like an amazing event or whatever, but they're preparing you for four years kind of for that moment and to not have that physical moment it really doesn't mean anything in the end of the day but it is important and weird i've seen a lot of like small towns put their their high schoolers their class of 2020 up on like you know pictures of them on like lampposts and stuff different people trying to do different things um they've had six foot 
apart parades and, and in some places they can actually have ceremonies now. I hope they do something eventually, but who knows? I just wanted to say, like, I'm very aware that the actual class of 2020 did not have it that easy, and that's an understatement. It's a weird time to be alive for a whole bunch of different reasons, but if you're out there and this podcast is bringing you a little bit of something, I hope it helps. So I feel like we're going to rock this out as co-host of this superlative yearbook special just like that year when like james franco and anne hathaway were co-hosting the oscars oh the really greatest good. oscars of all time of course <laughs> i don't know if you're the hathaway or the franco i don't know who you'd prefer to be i mean i think joe too is the franco in all things and he's not here so i don't know maybe we're both <laughs> anne hathaways maybe this is like a too fast too forever either or are you more of an anne hathaway or james franco we're both like oh no we're definitely anne hathaway and he's like no franco all the way i prefer to be anne hathaway and she was oh, a star, yeah. star of one of our movies this year for a sophomore year of The Princess Diaries, her breakout role. So Anne Hathaway, all the way. I think James Franco has been in something we've done on High School Slumber Party. Oh, he, he was, was one in of the Joe 2 movies, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and there's no really particular order for this. We're just going with the flow. But the first superlative in the yearbook was actually one that was invented not by me, but by Cara Gale O'Regan of this podcast network of Wistful Thinking. Though, is that on hiatus? Uh, I don't know. Yes, it's, it's currently on hiatus. She's been on this show a bunch. She's such a great guest. She won Most Artistic at her high school. And I think when she pushed this award last year, she was hoping for Allison of The Breakfast Club to win. But instead, uh, I forgot his name, but the me in me and Earl and the dying girl and Earl won this award. But the award is Most Artistic. Ah, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) And honestly, I think last year's nominees were a little bit better. There's some awards this year that had better nominees. There's some that had quote-unquote worst nominees, but there's no bad nominees, and it, it just happens to be when it falls in the calendar, right? So let's talk about the nominees for most artistic. There's MJ from Spider-Man Homecoming who doodles a lot. I don't know if art is her concentration or whatever, but she does doodle a lot, and it is fun. There's Hoops McCann from One Crazy Summer who wants to be a cartoonist, and we see that a lot as well. There's Patrick from The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and he's I don't know. Uh, (laughs) He has an artistic vision when it comes to his Rocky Horror Picture Show performances. There's Eli from The Girl Next Door, who's a filmmaker who turns into a pornography filmmaker in the movie. (laughs) And someone wrote in Edward for no particular reason. I mean, he is artistic. I'm going to say that anytime somebody writes in somebody from Twilight, I'm going to assume it's Kate Hudson. I don't know. I don't think so, because there's some other obvious Kate Hudson choices here. I was trying to deduce that. I just think there are some rabid Edward fans, and can you blame them? We'll see. We'll see in a later category. (laughs) Joey, handicap this award. Who'd you vote for? Who do you think would win? What's your thoughts on Most Artistic this year? I don't know who should win. I I agree with you. This is a kind of a difficult category. It's not like you had any movies truly about art, you know, as opposed or characters about art, like you were saying with The Breakfast Club and with me and Earl. I went with the one that I nominated when you were like, I need a little bit of, like, who who am I missing? Who am I looking for? And I was like, oh, you got to go with MJ from Spider-Man. You're like, is she artistic? I'm like, I think she is. And then I had to Google, and I found, because she just doodles throughout the entire movie. So, I mean, I love MJ. I love your recasting of Zendaya as Ferris Bueller. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to your most recent episode. Right? Yes. yes. And, um... I think she is the most artistic. I would love to see. I also, honestly, if Zendaya were up for every award, I would vote for her for every award. (laughs) She's so cool. Uh, We do have a prom queen, but I I thought of her as being beyond prom queen, you know? I love her, and you're right. 
I was thinking, like, who would be the most 2020 awesome Ferris Bueller? And Ferris is not, like, a real name, so, like, her name still could be Ferris Bueller. And I think she would be amazing in that role. Yeah. She's around the same age as most of the actors were when they shot Ferris Bueller. Ugh. Someone make that, please. Whoever listens to High School Slumber Party, who controls the wheels of Hollywood, I know you're out there. Make that film. <laughs> and speaking of her, actually, it was a close one, but she actually won this award. So, yeah, Joey, you hit the nail on the head. You uh, had a vision for this award. You weren't sure what it was. I wasn't sure what it was. But MJ from Spider-Man, I guess Homecoming, where she's really more Michelle in that one. But she wins the award, but she barely beat Hoops McCann from One Crazy Summer. I don't know how to say this because I don't know how you're act. Like I, I know you're just sort of picking whatever you want. Now you're doing kind of se- series and sequences and things are like you're doing more obscure things because like it's not like there's a dozen huge cheerleader movies. There's like three really big ones and then like three that people know about. And then there's like six that are like Lifetime movies or whatever, right? So you've done some bigger movies this year, but you've also done movies that like I don't think a lot of people have seen. And I'm not saying that One Crazy Summer is like the most obscure movie you've done, but it's going to be interesting to see if these movies that people don't necessarily know about if they have characters who are able to like either just from like the picture looks nice or from the podcast the memory like there's a lot of variables at play here i think absolutely it's gonna be interesting to see and there's another thing i was thinking about joey with these awards i'm glad you brought it up because there are a lot of great movies we did this year legendary iconic movies that don't necessarily have people who would fit in some of these awards, American Graffiti being one of them, right? Like people love that movie, but I don't know if it has characters that track with a lot of these things, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think you'll see that throughout. There's like good movies, good characters, sometimes a mix. Sophomore year was a weird year, man. Weird year. (laughs) We'll talk more about it. That's for sure. As we go along. And speaking of Peter and MJ, by the way, they're nominees for our next category. And that category is best couple. Ooh. I did not win best couple in high school. I'm assuming you did not win Best Couple in High School. I'm not saying that as an insult. That always went to, like, the most popular couple. Oh, of course. (laughs) A lot of politics involved in the yearbook. Oh, I forgot that last year on the yearbook special, I was, like, leafing through my high school yearbook. I forgot (laughs) that that was part of it, right? Oh, yeah. We did a deep dive. It was one of our longer episodes because we both went into our yearbooks. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the nominees for Best Couple this year, these made me chuckle. I think this was actually a stronger Best Couple year than last year. The nominees were... Bella and Edward from Twilight, Bella and Jacob from Twilight and the Moon, (laughs) Laura Jean and Peter from To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You, another Peter, Peter Parker and MJ, Spider-Man Far From Home, Robin and Tommy from Flying, Torrance and Cliff from Bring It On, and Graham and Megan from But I'm a Cheerleader. Joey, pick Handicap. What say you? Uh, so this is very difficult. There's a handful in here, and I feel like this is something that you were talking about as you've previewed nominees and previewed categories last few episodes, and I think we did last year too. Like, there's a handful that I would be happy if they won. I don't know if the one that I picked is really the one that I want to see win because I think that there are some real love stories in here. But the one that I went with once again, and I, I promise it's not going to stay like this, but Zendaya is in there. I picked Zendaya. So Zendaya and Peter Parker, Peter Parker and MJ, Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, Joey, this year we had a tie and this is one of the happiest ties I've ever had. I believe these are both deserving winners. So you won again. So, so far, two for two for you. Much better than last year. All right. Cool. Cool, <laughs> cool, cool. MJ and Peter, Spider-Man Far From Home, did win Best Couple. I think Zendaya is really, really good. I mean, anyone who's watching, what's it called? Euphoria. Oh, Euphoria. Will tell you that she insane. is just amazing. 
I think it's a weird pivot that, like, I can't remember the other girl's name, but he was so into her. Oh, Liz? Liz. Liz. Yeah. I know a lot's happened since then, and then we're just... He did go na- na- Now he's into MJ. So it's weird for us to see, especially back-to-back, that character who was such an introvert and I thought was cool, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And then MJ. She almost has to make these choices to be likable to the audience because if she's just like being a dick the entire time yeah. and it is weird but they had to balance right what you're saying like the damsel in distress yes yeah. and her not being that yeah I mean she even has that line of in the theater I mean it was in like one of the first trailers or something like that like oh like I look nice so therefore I have value <laughs> yeah value thank you uh, so you know there's clearly lines still being thrown there just yeah. to make us know like yes this isn't you know like we talked about this in Spider-Man 3 how much that MJ, and I love Kirsten Dunst, and mm-hmm. I liked her performance, how much that MJ was just, in that series, captured by the bad guy, and yes. had to be rescued. I was just going to say this that. didn't really happen here. And no. an acting career. <laughs> but, like, even in, even this MJ, like, picks up a mace and bashes a drone. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's proactive. She's not getting captured. Like, she figures out Peter Spider-Man. Like, she's got this... She's got, like, this confidence in herself and stuff, but she's still... And this she's is what I, This is what I love. It's like... She feels, and they all do, to be quite honest, they feel like genuine teenagers because we're, we're all afraid of rejection, right? Especially as teenagers. And we don't want to, you know, it's so nervous to tell your crush that you like them and everything. And for someone like her who admits to being like, you know, I keep people at a distance sometimes, mm-hmm. like I'm very, you know, I have trouble trusting whatever, you know you can't just have her open up right away. And I feel like they did a good job of sort of peeling the layers off in this movie. Whereas in the end, she would be, you know, open enough to like, to kiss him, right? She's the one that kisses Peter. It's, you know, like she is very proactive and, and knows what she wants in this. And so I found that very refreshing. And I did like from a high school perspective, like you're saying how their romance blossomed and how awkward they felt around each other. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe some of these, like, switches in her character are just stuff like that, like teenage awkwardness, teenage... Yeah, still finding yourself. Yeah. yeah, and even putting up a front at times, but then not being able to maintain it when you're confronted with something you actually want, right? Yeah. But the other winner I was so happy won, because this is Pride Month, and it's an LGBTQ couple the only one nominated and that's graham and megan from but i'm a cheerleader i loved seeing that they got the love there i love natasha leone i think she's great in that movie i think that's a great choice good job slumberers and i had a blast with jenny o'connell talking about that film it clearly meant so much to her graham One, two, three, four, I won't take no anymore. Five, six, seven, eight, I want you to be my mate. One, two, three, four, you're the one that I adore. Five, six, seven, eight, don't run from me, cause this is fate. Breathe into my hands, I'll cut them like a glass to drink from. Love you. Megan, you stop it this instant. Because you will wallow in the smoke of your homosexual depravity for the rest of your life. No! <laughs> 
Oh god, yeah. The the end is perfect. Like I love the ending so much. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that like Rufio gets a happy ending too. Oh, sweet baby. You I feel get like a most happy of the characters e- get yeah. somewhat of a happy ending here. And it's great. So I love this ending scene. Um there's a graduation and her and Rufio decide to sabotage it. For Rufio it's pretty easy. Yeah. But for uh <laughs> For Megan, at first when she approaches Graham, Graham like denies her because her parents are there and there's, you know, a bunch of bullshit going on. Mm-hmm. And then she just, you know, she gets those pom-poms and she does her cheer routine. Yeah. And as silly as it is, it's so good. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's so cute. I love it. Like, just what a ray of sunshine, that cheer routine. My God. <laughs> <laughs> And again, cheer is so Americana, so different to this, you know, LGBTQ positive film. Yeah. But in here, it's not shown that way. Again, I'll say what I said earlier. She she says she loves cheerleading. It's like the one thing that she's most passionate about, theoretically, in the world. And she uses it to get something. And it's just, it's so nice. It's just so it nice. Is. Oh, it is. It's heartwarming. And it's like, also, the outfits for the graduation, they're look like the vinyl tuxes i don't know if it's vinyl i think it's pdc or like <laughs> but those tuxes were on point and like the dresses so great, so great. they're just so oh they're so iconic because like it's it's perfectly curated i mean i will say natasha leone and her like sunshine just radiant like everything really like made me momentarily forget the insanity of graham's straight person hair because, like, Graham's hair in the movie is perfect, except for the ending, where she has the weird butterfly clip shenanigans. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but but it, <laughs> not in a, a bad way. Like, it, it, it was just, it was a choice. And, like, I think it was a deliberate choice on the filmmaker's part to, like, you know, show how out of place she is in this, like, you know, like, straight white lady, straight, straight lady role, you know? <laughs> but, like... I just, yeah, I, I love the attention to detail with that. And, like, the fact that, yeah, it ends in a happy way. And, like, the kiss on the, the truck with, like, the clouds painted on the background. Like, oh, my God. I loved it. Like, the color coordination of, like, the pink and the orange. And, like, ugh, it's just, like, a beautiful painting. Oh, yeah. Oh, the way it looks is great. It reminded me of a film. And maybe it took it paid homage to this film, despite it being kind of problematic today but the graduate you know when like dustin hoffman stops the wedding and then they go off and oh have, yeah like I, I saw that in it and i, and I, I hope it right was right yeah that, because again it's so different obviously but it's mm. you get a similar you know a similar vibe from it it was one of my favorite episodes a recent one it was a surprise cheer monday pick because i actually recorded it before i decided to do cheer monday you mentioned cheer monday before one of my more favorite uh sequences in this podcast history and that came about because i did this episode with jenny and i did an episode with joe too on a lifetime movie called identity theft of a cheerleader and i just had to do them two days in a row and i was like wait a minute this is too good to pass up let's just do 
a lot of cheer movies in a row. And I thought it ended up being fun. What, what were your thoughts on Cheer Monday? I think they were great. I think that maybe it would... <laughs> I, I don't mean this as an insult because they were wonderful episodes, but when you have two Lifetime movies and it's like, maybe I did one too many cheerleader movies, but maybe not. <laughs> I mean, maybe... I mean, there are there are more cheerleader series, as you talked about with Joe 2 and with Rachel. There's more cheerleader series or series that involve cheerleader movies than you covered. So you can never have too many Lifetime movies, I'll say that. But it was a nice blend of, like, like I was saying before... Huge movies that I think everybody has seen, or at least everybody knows about, and then ones that people maybe don't know. Yeah, no, it was fun to also watch them all in a row like that, because then I I could see, like, okay, this movie obviously took from this movie. (laughs) The movie Gimme an F that I did with Christian Larson, it's so obvious that even though that's, like, whatever, a B movie, not everyone's going to enjoy it, but it's so obvious that so many cheer movies later like the writers watched that movie and took elements from it, which I think is crazy because it's so obscure. And even doing like a bigger deep dive, I saw that it was true. Like a couple writers did acknowledge that. And even in Fired Up, they use some of the uniforms from Gimme an F in the background as like a little bit of an Easter egg that no one except for me will get. <laughs> so I, I appreciated that. Cheer Mondays was a success. I hope to do more series like that going forward. <laughs> <laughs> this next award, I don't want to say it's the opposite of a cheerleading award because there are plenty of cheerleaders who could qualify for this award. But in American cinema, it's usually not the case. Cheerleaders are depicted one way and the people in this award are depicted another way. And that's the Science Award, a new award this year. Ooh. And I decided, and you called me out on this, I changed it halfway through. I decided to acknowledge in the Science Award what people were winning for. Yeah, I think it's important because science is both a very specific thing and also a very broad thing. I think in movies it can sometimes be specific, like it's people with the light lab coats and the Bunsen, yes. the, the beakers and whatever. And I was saying Bunsen and beaker, you know, like the Muppets. But <laughs> the nominees here are very wide-spanning. I think that the, the science that is included covers a, a great breadth of different uh, skills and abilities. Absolutely. Different sciences, you know. So here are the nominees. Our old pal Angus Bethune, from Angus, for pioneering research in the Bethune theory, which was something in the movie that about not fitting in and such. Cute little scene. Peter Parker, Spider-Man Homecoming, once again, for creating the formula, for synthesizing, if you will, the formula for web fluid. Not easy for a high schooler. Clearly a very intelligent guy. Another nominee from the same film, Ned, Spider-Man Homecoming, for computer science skills as Guy in the Chair. Gary and Wyatt from the film Weird Science for creating a woman from a computer. Simple as that. (laughs) And Hermione Granger, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire for the outstanding knowledge of spells and potions. I think this is another difficult one. I will tell you that I did not, once again, go Spider-Man because I don't want to be a broken record there. There are some people here that I would love to vote for, but I went with one where, like, is it problematic today? Maybe. Probably. But when you literally create a woman out of like, thin air, how can you not say that's the most like like if that happened in real life, even with everything going on in the world right now, like that is all we would be talking about. It's like, did you hear those two people created a woman out of nothing? It's like, wait, what? So I got to go Gary and Wyatt. Well, Joey, you entered your freshman year confused, pimply, looking for your click, looking where to fit in. And maybe it didn't work out so well for you. Your sophomore year, you're elevating yourself to the popular crowd because you've won again 
Gary and Wyatt, the runaway winners here for the Science Award. I just like to think that this is me exerting my influence, or I also voted 24 times at different <laughs> times of the hour. I was just like, oh, here we go, here we go. No, I only voted once. I promise I only voted once. But I'm glad that the slumberers agree with me after uh, the debacle of last year. Good category there. I, I'm probably going to do the Science Award again. Uh, I don't know if there was enough nominees our freshman year. I'd have to check back. But sophomore year, certainly was full of great nominees for that category. And I like that weird science one because when we talked about it here with guest Walt Hickey, it was the first time I'd seen it, first time he'd seen it, and we probably weren't the best people to watch this movie because... What do you think of Kelly LeBrock's performance? And then what do you think of Lisa, the character, and I'm using quotes, overall? overall. Yeah. You guys created me. I didn't come from anywhere. Before you started messing around with your computer, I didn't even exist. By the way, you did an excellent job. Thank you. Hello? Showering is real fun, isn't it? Any kind of fun together. You guys are better loosen up. Um, I'm I'm gonna say basically the same thing about it, which is that Kelly Brock was given absolutely nothing to work with, and still managed to be interesting whenever she was on screen. Like I think that she kind of like they really didn't give her anything of just being like, yes, you're gonna be an omnipotent goddess who. Uh, is kind of like the kid from the Twilight Zone movie in which they can pervert the world to their own monomaniacal ends, but also, like, you're you're two days old. Have fun. This is a weird thing. Like, and so I think that they really didn't give her a lot when it comes to how to actually pull off the role because there wasn't really a lot there, but she still managed to be, like, visually interesting and, like, own the screen when she's in it, and part of it is because she's with a bunch of teenagers the whole time, but, like, <laughs> I think that she, uh... She's at least entertaining, and uh, yeah, so I think that she's, she, again, has nothing to work with. So. No, and it is, like, a weird thing, like, when you talk about, like, the male gaze and stuff, it's obviously, <laughs> you know, th- there's no more obvious thing here, because they, they quote-unquote create her, but we're, like, we, we can, on- we're only forced to see this film through the point of view of these kids, because if we see through the point of view of her, she's kind of creepy and that's hard to work with in terms of like she's making out with 15 year old boys and she's clearly an adult so I, I i agree with you like she didn't have anything to work with but i still found her very interesting i got a lot of feedback that, that we were pretty negative on a film that a lot of people love this is one that i'd like to see again and i've said this a million times recently i don't like being negative i like to bring on guests that enjoy a film i like to bring on guests to like basically explain to me why this is a great film why it's a fun film it's not always easy to do with some of the obscure ones but i don't know it's just more fun podcasting that way and ever since that film and another film it's been my goal to do more positive essentially i was disappointed that i was disappointed in the film So that's what's difficult, and I think we've talked about this a little bit off mic in the green room on Facebook, whatever, and I think that we've also, I mean, you just said on a couple tweets recently about it, I think that there is, there's a real tendency for snark, it's very easy to be snarky about things, right? And I think my goal in everything that we do is not just to 
say everything is great. But when Mike and I started the network, when we started Cage Club, even before the network, right, when it was just Cage Club, the whole thesis statement for Cage Club was Nicolas Cage is often made fun of for being a bad actor, that he's crazy, he's nothing more than a meme, he can't act, whatever. And Mike and I are like, no, we're pretty sure he's more than that. And so we wanted to go through and we wanted to make sure, and we wanted to find out if he actually was more than just like a crazy bad actor, more than just like not the bees or him saying the alphabet in Vampire's Kiss. And what we found is that he is... With a couple of exceptions, like, he can do any genre until, you know, the VOD stuff when he starts putting out, like, literally up to nine movies a year. (laughs) There are very, very, very few movies that, like, I think are objectively bad. I mean, there's ones that, like, most people probably don't like, but I think they're worth watching for one reason or another. And so Mike and I always try to, whenever we can, find the positive in everything. And what's weird is that as we've gone on and he and I have done the podcast, specifically me and him, is that we're almost always in line. And I think that when we have a movie that we don't like, we're, we're able to sort of try to find good things. And I think that as the podcasts and the different shows that we've done have evolved, I think like the framing, the way that we frame the Tom Hanks and the Tom Cruise podcast specifically, like favorite moment, least favorite moment, it's not just like, oh, I hated this movie, I hated everything about this movie, I don't want to pick anything good. It's like, well, let me try to actually find something about it that I thought was great. Or if it's something that, you know, we love and we, we don't want to make it just like a love fest, what didn't work, what could have been better? And I think it's in a time where it's so easy to be snarky, and sometimes it can be fun to be snarky. I think it's more interesting and more worthwhile to try to find things that are actually good about stuff that isn't necessarily like you're not covering exclusively good movies you're not you're not covering exclusively the biggest high school movies by the way when is clueless coming <laughs> you'll have to wait and see i think there's value even if it's just to like like if you <laughs> like the fact that you did angus a movie that nobody knew nobody knows nobody's really heard of and then all of a sudden you have charlie talbert on your show like if you're just doing the biggest movies of all time you don't have like a friendship or relationship with charlie talbert right like there's there's value in doing Doing everything and being positive, even though uh, you and Kate Hudson kind of shitting on Angus a little bit, you know, maybe that's what got Charlie involved. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of, of Angus, and I'm glad you brought it up, that was one of the big surprises of the year. Um, we enjoyed the film, but yeah, we, we kind of took digs at Charlie, Kate Hudson and I, but you're absolutely right. We ended up becoming friends with him and he's been such a great guest on this show um we were coming home from northbrook illinois the velodrome the night that i was discovered and so this all happened like when you were like basically you're talking about ages from like 8 to 12 or 13 here right yeah that that was pretty much my world 8 to 8 to 15 actually 8 to 15 because i worked with him all the way up through that and then some after that so it's safe to say you're just never home avoiding the home you know (laughs) yeah my my life besides that too was going down to the lake and uh you know my mom had a motorcycle at one point that i would take around and i had my grandfather's truck he passed like a week after angus came out or a month after (laughs) angus came out wow so i i would take his truck and go down to the lake and you know do cb radio chasing with my friends I, i we pretty much were never in the house and then my cousins at night we would run through the neighborhood playing a game called flashlight tag where you'd have yep. like as realistic guns as you could possibly have running around God. the neighborhood <laughs> i lived on 11th and 63rd in kenosha and everything is a grid there so it's only 11 streets away from the lake so you had from there to the lake to hide you know <laughs> so it was, it was pretty Did you fun have siblings though was it like were you the one that got picked on in the family and your mom had like the favorite or no it was just me i, I was uh technically an only uh, uh. only child but i grew up with a lot of cousins so my cousins were my brothers and sisters at that point. So it, and grandma, grandma didn't really play favorites and stuff like that, but she would favor me a little bit because of all the 
the tragedy and stuff that was going on in my world at the time. All right. Definitely some heavy stuff before you even shot Angus. But I could see a lot of the character of Angus in your background. So just tell us how that started. Like, how did you get attached to Angus? Yeah, yeah. I was in love with a girl from kindergarten to 12th grade. And she she was one of those girls that was really popular and things like that. And that comes into play because we had stopped into the Wendy's that hangs over the freeway, used to hang over the freeway on the way back from uh, Northbrook, Illinois, back to Kenosha. And it was around midnight. And uh, I was wearing like a biker shirt, you know, a cyclist shirt. And I was standing there and one of my friends was actually working in the counter at Wendy's. And I decided to to joke around with her and cheer her up because you know humor was my defense you know on the podcast when you guys were talking about angus you were like yeah it just seemed like a kid who was like doing the same thing all the way through and just kind of pushing through it it sounded like a real teenager well it, it was true but it was because i didn't get to express a lot of those emotions so i would hide them a lot with humor mm. and i would turn myself off kind of emotionally and just fight back with words if i could or joke whichever prevailed the cooler head always prevailed so i was telling a joke to a friend of mine that worked behind the counter and also everybody started laughing at the 31 flavors people sitting around it was kind of a busy night for <laughs> for being a tuesday or thursday night in the middle of the week at midnight and people were just digging me and this guy comes up to me a rather large dude <laughs> comes up to me and he's like hey uh you're pretty funny how'd you like to be in a movie and i was like wow are you okay <laughs> and he goes, right? what? <laughs> he goes what why would you say that i'm like well i mean it's 12 o'clock at night i've got boobs and you want me to be in a movie near chicago i I don't know what you want from me. And he's like, no, no, man. We've been looking for this character in a movie called Angus for three years now. Wow. And we have not been able to find him. And we're going to try to start casting again. And uh, I'd really like for you to come audition for it. And I'm like, I don't. And he opens his wallet to pull out a card. And I see like an American Express card. And I was like, oh, maybe this guy's for real. I don't know anybody <laughs> with an American Express card. And that was Patrick <laughs> Reed Johnson. And he goes, you know, I, I, oh, wow. I, I wrote and directed a movie called Space Invaders. And I was like, I I love Space Invaders. He's like, oh, you do? Okay, so you know who I am. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I took his card and the information and he's like, yeah, I want you to come down on Wednesday to Planet Hollywood. You'll go upstairs. There's a casting director named Jane Alderman. She cast a movie called Rudy. I don't know. I'm like, I love Rudy. (laughs) And so come back and I tell Tony and Amy and and I'm like, I I, I might be in a movie. I I don't know. I don't know. So I'm like riding high all the way home. It's now like one o'clock in the morning. I come in and when you came into my house, we had basements, you know, because we were in Wisconsin. When you come into the house, there's a long hallway. One goes into the main house. And then just before you go to the main house, you can either go upstairs or go down into the basement, uh, which was great for sneaking out. But uh, so I go (laughs) and I knock on the door and my mom's sleeping on the couch because my grandma wasn't feeling well that night. I'm like, mom, mom. She's like, what? I'm like, I'm going to be in a movie maybe. I don't know. She's like, that's great. Shut up. Go to bed. I'm like, oh, okay. But we got to go to Chicago on Wednesday. Shut up. Go to bed. Okay. He was on our fear episode because again, you know, one of one of the slumberers' favorite guests, Kate Hudson, likes to book herself for things and, and book other people. And Fear as part of the Hudson Five, another kind of underground. Wait, so how many series. of the Hudson Five have we done? Three or two? We've done three. It's it's hard. She's all over the place. Also, I would beg you while you count this up, I would beg you to please refer to it with a, by its proper title, Fear with Marky Mark. So we've done two Hudson Five movies. So we've only done Fear with Marky Mark and Hiding Out. We still have 
One that you'll be on, and I won't say it yet because it's a tease. Oh, I don't know that that was one of the Hudson Five. Okay, that's very that's very special. Okay. Yes. We have The Heavenly Kid, which is a movie I haven't seen that I'm excited to see, I guess. And we have another one that's probably near and dear to your heart. Oh, wait. Is this the Hudson Six? I'll have to check back with Well, that. that's what I think. That, that's also, that was my other part. My other reason for asking the question is because I feel like the Hudson 5 is becoming, whenever Kate wants to talk about a movie, like, let's just drop everything and have Kate on because she's just such a burst of energy in every way you can possibly imagine. Yes, no, you're absolutely 100% right about Kate. She could have a Hudson 10 for all I care. I mean, she's going to. You know she's going to. <laughs> well, she's on another series, the Twilight Forever series, which, again, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, today. But the final movie of the Hudson 5 is a movie that's also near and dear to you, and that's Valley Girl. So can't wait to have her on. Oh, that okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Angus thing came out of nowhere, and I feel like if he wants to, Charlie has an open invitation on this show, and he could be such a great guest or so many other films because he's such a kind guy and such an open heart, and he shared so much with us on that. What what did I call it? Angus Strikes Back episode because he was essentially striking back at us, and he could have been such a jerk to us. Oh yeah. So nice. And he told us so much. I wish my dream of High School Slumber Party is for the star of every film we do to reach out to us and be like, <laughs> no, no, no. This is how it happened, Brian. <laughs> you got off to a good start with your very first episode, getting blocked by John Cusack. That was his way of reaching out and saying, this is how it happened. Blocked. You're done. <laughs> I guess so. I guess you're right. You know, no one has blocked us since, as far as I know. And Charlie kind of cancels it out. But I-, I need more Charlies in my life because, again... Such a cool thing. He's such like an affable guy, too. And in real life, he might fit in the high school slumber party mold for this next category. And that's Class Clown. Last year, Class Clown was won by Jan from Greece. I think that was your only win. <laughs> that Greece episode, by the way, that crossover with Whistle Thinking was one of my favorite episodes. It was so fun to do. I have to do more crossover episodes this year. For this category of Class Clown, a lot of interesting nominees. Here they are. Tommy from Flying. Benny O'Donnell from Dazed and Confused. Charlie Dalton from Dead Poets Society. Styles from Teen Wolf. Ron Weasley from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And someone wrote in Edward. Again, I think it's going to be Kate Hudson. I think that's the one. She's just writing in whenever Edward, whenever there's no Twilight nominee, he's got to write in a Twilight nominee. So who you got here? Who is your class clown? Who who hit your funny bone, Joey? So now, I mean, this is a movie that I wanted to make sure I had some representation. I'm already assuming I'm going to take the L on this one. I don't think this is going to win, but I had to go with my main man, Keanu Reeves, as Tommy and Flying. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> what an interesting movie. I knew it wasn't going to get a lot of votes because... Who's really seen the movie with three or four titles from Canada, you know? But it was such a fun experience. Like, I felt like I had to include it. But no, sorry, your first L of the day, Joey. It was a close one. The runner-up was Charlie Dalton from Dead Poets Society, a very popular film. He's funny in that movie, that's for sure. Not really a funny movie, considering everything that happens in it. But I get it. But the winner, the winner was Styles. Wow, okay. I am not surprised because the t-shirts he wears in it, I was like, this guy's going to win. Because anytime I would pick an image for him, his t-shirt in the ballot for this was, what are you looking at, dick nose? And that's just what it says. Later in the film, he wears a shirt that says, life sucks and you die. He's the epitome of a class clown. 
that was a fun movie. That was one of the bigger films, if you will, that we did for this podcast this year. Not the biggest Michael J. Fox teen film. We'll probably cover that one later. But definitely a fun one. We covered that with Mike Manzi. And I have a feeling that'll come up again as we go through our superlatives. For sure. I can see that absolutely, yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, Big Brother always keeps a stash out here for emergencies. Listen. Listen, Styles. I gotta talk to you about something because it's making me nuts. Yeah, well, I hear you, but if it's that intense, I'll need a solid buzz to think clearly. Well... Look, I, I, I wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't even mention it to you, except that I gotta talk to someone. I'm a werewolf. Where would that scumbag keep it? Time you want. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I just did. But see, sometimes it, it, it happens when I don't want it to. What can I say? You're beautiful. <sighs> hey, uh, what can a teen wolf do? I can smell what you're looking for. The stash? Well, no, I checked there. Styles. Styles. This is just between you and me, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. TW. <laughs> TW, you're going to be glad that you came to me with this. Yes, because with the right angles, man, we're going to turn this into something monstrous. The next category, Joey, is one that is near and dear to your heart as well. And maybe on your own podcast, you're not the car guy. But here, you are the car guy. And you certainly have earned your stripes in it. I remember I was on a podcast with you and someone's like, Brian, as the high school movie expert, what do you think about this? And then I, I just said, oh, I don't consider myself a high school movie expert. And you were like, Brian, by default, you are. You have a podcast on it. Yeah. So, Joey, by default, as the host of Too Fast, Too Forever, you're a car expert. And the next <sighs> category is coolest car in the parking lot. Yeah. So here were your nominees. Originally, I thought it was going to be a light category. And then once I started doing it, I'm like, oh, man, this is a good one. So we have the yellow 32 Deuce Coupe from American Graffiti. Bella's Truck from Twilight. Edward's Volvo from Twilight New Moon, the Ferrari 250 GT California from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Billy Bob's pickup truck from Varsity Blues, and the white Ford Thunderbird from American Graffiti. 
Your thoughts on the category? Well, I will say that this was one that I gave you, that I called you out for, you know, representation matters, and I'm not trying to make a joke here, but I was like, this is not representative of the actual cars that you have had on your show, because you had four or five nominees, and only one from, like, the one car movie that you've done. Like, if you talk about high school movies and car movies, there's maybe a handful of things, there's a lot of cool cars and a lot of movies, but, like, the one, I think, is American Graffiti. And you had two cars from Twilight and one from American Graffiti. And I was like, <laughs> hold on. And so I went to the actual car guy. I went to Joe Two, my, my co-host. We've talked about him before on Too Fast, Too Forever. I was like, Joe, I'm not even going to explain to you the nonsense that Brian's trying to pull right now. <laughs> what are the cool cars? He's like, oh, definitely this one. You're like, oh, yeah, of course. So I'm just glad that we got a little bit more car representation because it was it was a close one. Ugh, boy. <laughs> I went with the Thunderbird. I went with the Ford Thunderbird from American Graffiti. I love both those cars. I just wanted to make sure that my vote went to one of them. And I wound up going with the Ford Thunderbird. But, you know, if the Deuce Coupe wins, I'd be happy with that one, too. And I can't blame you, Joey. I thought American Graffiti had the best shot in this category. I can't explain enough how much I loved that film. It ended up being a two-parter. We did it around Thanksgiving, I believe, with Chris Podcast and Mike Manzi. And I hadn't seen American Graffiti in ages. And as I was watching it, it it clicked so much to why it was a pick. But this, it felt like the first time watching this film for me. I guess I was watching it with a little bit of new eyes. Um, When was the first time you guys saw this film? And, you know, I guess both of you were very excited to be on this episode. I guess, why is that? I think the first time I saw this, I was in in high school uh, because I was uh, a big fan of uh, another movie this director made that some of you may have heard of, uh, a little sci-fi masterpiece mm. called THX 1138. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, some of the kids in the audience <laughs> might not know this director, but that, that's a good one that they should see. And um, yeah, I went just through, through his old stuff at some point in high school when I got really into film. And I watched this and I didn't, I didn't love it at the time. I appreciated it, but I didn't love it i guess i expected more flash from george lucas but uh Mm. um it always kind of stuck with me especially leaving high school and uh, i don't think i revisited it between then but it was really nice and of course nostalgic to go back to it now how about you mike i think i first found this film when i was like 13 or so somewhere around there like i couldn't drive yet or anything and um i'm not sure if i knew that um at the time i think i think what was happening was like i lived really close to tower records and a tower video you know so i just go there we could like literally walk there like me and my neighbor would just walk there and rent everything and i think we like picked this up and discovered together that like holy shit george lucas had like done stuff before star wars um i don't we didn't quite discover thx 1138 i'll I'll give credit to that to late night encore when i was like more like 15 or 16 but yeah this movie is always just uh i've always revisited it you know throughout the years my dad would always take me to like the car shows and stuff and you know he was born in 42 so he was like 20 when this movie takes place right so this was definitely um, like his era, um, I sort of like tried to adopt a lot of like 50s culture when I was a 90s punk. You know, it was just like the leather jacket and oh the my God, jeans you were a with the white shirt. <laughs> yeah, closer to that, more like, you know, stray cats and things. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I love this movie and um, there was always something I could never quite put my finger on until like I had gone, you know, through some film class and stuff, but I feel like this is one of the most naturalistic movies I'd ever seen in my entire life. Like, it is just literally a step away from being a documentary. A a lot of this feels 
very improv or caught on the fly or like, you know, they weren't even aware, like maybe they're just running lines or something. And it always does kind of feel new every time I watch it in a lot of ways and uh, had a great time revisiting it for this show. Yeah, no, I mean, something that I've always thought about this film and just I have to say is that how fascinated I am that what this was made in 73, it's about 1962, and they're so nostalgic about, what, 10, 11 years before that. But I, mm-hmm. I guess so much had happened, like Vietnam War, uh, Kennedy assassination, and just like the general 60s, that it makes sense. But I don't have that same nostalgia for like 10, maybe maybe I do, I'm not sure, but I don't think I do, for like 10 years ago, what, 2009, you know? So that was always like fascinating to me. Over on Now and Again, we do talk about uh, <laughs> um, 2008 to 2010, Kind of that era being like really great for pop music, like had the emergence of Rihanna and Lady Gaga. But in no way would I say that I was nostalgic for any of the aughts because there was just there was just no culture in that era. There's there was no <laughs> anything. Like what was the culture from the two thousands? Like yeah. uh, the puka shell necklaces, uh, frosted <laughs> tips, and uh, Jenkos. Now Jenkos was probably the nineties. But it's just, there's nothing. There's backwards red baseball caps. There it is. Yeah, I wonder if this was some kind of new emergence with this sort of class of filmmakers during this time where they were just more nostalgic and reflective on their youth. And, you know, they were only, like, George Lucas was in his 20s when he did this, right? Like, he is fresh out of USC, uh, might even still be, like, in USC or something, like, teaching or being a student aide. But, like, this kind of comes up often on, on shows like, or from time to time in conversation, it's like, you know, nowadays how everyone's all nostalgic for the 80s, but that's like 30 years ago. And then when I was in the 90s growing up, everyone was nostalgic for the 60s. And it just seems like it's more, it's a larger gap now and might be getting bigger even, you know, and I think of Back to the Future and it's like, whoa, they're only going back 25 years and look how drastic and different it is. And here it's kind of strange. It's like, they're only going back 10, 11, like you say, but it feels like a very different culture as uh, opposed to what's going on, you know, currently when this movie comes out. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And I had a blast talking about that film, so much so that I went on your podcast, not kind of by accident, but a little the bit of The happiest accident, yeah. Yes, <laughs> and talked about it there. If you haven't seen American Graffiti, like, you're not a fan of this podcast. Watch American Graffiti. And I thought Chris Podcast and Mike were great guests on that one. But if I'm mentioning it now, that means I have disappointing news. Because the winner was not from American Graffiti. The winner was from a very popular film, and I get it because this car is also awesome and a big part of this film. The winner was the 250 GT California from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, an of iconic car from iconic scenes in an iconic movie. The 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California. <laughs> Less than a hundred were made. My father spent three years restoring this car. It is his love. It is his passion. It is his fault he didn't lock the garage. Ferris, what are you talking about? (laughs) Ferris, my father loves this car more than life itself. A man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. No, no. Apparently, you don't understand. Wow. Ferris, he never drives it. He just rubs it with a diaper. Hey, remember how insane he went when I broke my retainer? Huh? Come on, that was a little piece of plastic. This is a Ferrari. 
I can't complain about that. Like, you know, if the Jeep from Twilight would have won, I would have been like, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. What are we doing? But this is okay. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. It was a landslide win. And I was like, oh, I feel bad. Maybe it was a split the vote thing. But even the combined American Graffiti votes would not have beaten this one. Wow, okay. Kind of a shame. However, the Thunderbird got a good amount of votes. The Deuce Coop got a good amount of votes. <laughs> there was one vote apiece for Edward's Volvo and Bella's truck. <laughs> Actually, that was our last episode before this one, Ferris Bueller's Day Off with Christian Larson. And, you know, he's always a blast to have on. And he clearly was passionate about that film. I was passionate about that film. And I just have a feeling, again, that that one's going to come up again as well. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That was a good episode, by the way. Good app, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, it's not nominated in the next category. And this was a little bit of a weaker one compared to last year as well. And that's Best Makeover. And the nominees were Charlie Dalton slash Nawanda from Dead Poets Society. He doesn't have a makeover scene, but he has a huge transformation from like stuck up rich kid to kind of like beatnik in that film. There's Max Hauser from the aforementioned Hiding Out. Of course, it's John Cryer as an adult stockbroker shaving his beard, dyeing his hair blonde, and hiding out in a high school as a high schooler. <laughs> I didn't put Peter Parker, I put Spider-Man in Spider-Man Homecoming because he gets a new suit and such. Or it could be the other Spider-Man film. I just wanted to give Spider-Man some props here. There's one of the only Lifetime nominees, Vicky, from Identity Theft of a Cheerleader, who, of course, assumes the identity of a cheerleader in high school. <laughs> I bet you couldn't have called that one. And another Hudson 5 movie, Terry, from Just One of the Guys, who is a lady and transforms into a man to write a story <laughs> about high school for her school paper. Handicap this one, Joey. I don't know how. This is a very, you know, I thought that science was pretty wide-spanning. This one might be even more so. All I know is that, again, I'm going to take the loss on this one. I don't think I'm going to win. I wanted to make sure that Joe got a little bit of love my way. Uh, I needed to vote for this for something, just because I'm glad that you covered it. But I went with a movie that I have not seen and probably will not see, not because I don't love it. I'm sure I would enjoy some of it. But I went with Vicky in Identity Theft of a Cheerleader because the transformation she must undergo to, like, kind of sort of <laughs> pass as a high schooler, like, yeah, okay, done. And those Lifetime films, you know, you hit a good point. I I love the series. I feel like those are the ones that you don't need to watch to listen to the episode. Because Joe 2 is so passionate, and he's so just, like, into it. And you've said this a million times. You pretty much get the entire plot from the title. So watch them, please. But if you don't want to and you want to listen to the episode, you're good. Because there are a lot of laughs. So, Joe, I feel like I finally, maybe not finally, because I always understood it, but I'm in the mode now where Lifetime movies mean so much more to me now. <laughs> really? You know, we're, we're in this quarantine situation, if you will. Yes. And I haven't been going to work. I've been working from home. And I get it more now, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just going crazy or something, but I was so much more intrigued this time than I usually am. Like, Yeah, dude. They're, they're <laughs> meant for like a time like this, right? Like you've been at home for like a lot of days. Did you did you give yourself like commercial breaks in between? So the, they have these natural commercial breaks. <laughs> they like, do, you don't... right? Very obvious, no. like black screens <laughs> to separate parts of the movie, like in the middle of like a very like you know intense part. But yeah, was, you know, like giving yourself the nice commercial breaks is is a, whew, it's good. I like to pause them a lot. 
You know, like that that gives the natural feel of it. Like you have to stop a lot, rewind a little bit. Of course, I had such an experience of like I was like, oh my god, what? <laughs> you know, like those kind of reactions. I think you have to yell. You have to. Watch. You have to exclaim them you have too. To. In, like, you in your to, house, even if you're alone, you have to be like, what? And, like, you have to gasp a lot. Like, it, it, it leads to the feel of the film. <laughs> Before we dive in too far, because I'll okay. forget about this part, introduce yourself, Joe Two, in the classic high school slumber party model. Name, high school, graduating class, high school team name, or something like that. My name's Joe Two. I'm graduated from the Pittsburgh Central Catholic. Roll Vikes. We were the Vikings. Nice. Yeah. And... You know, we have, uh, not that you're only on for these kind of films, but I feel like this is a recurring series. I was talking to you off air, and pretty much you get to choose whatever movies you want in our Lifetime series. Yeah, thank you so much for that. (laughs) It it actually, it made it a very difficult choice this time. I was trying to keep current, right? Like, I would like to break you in slowly and then take you to the classics. But, like, (laughs) you know, keep some new ones, some hip ones, relatively new you know, keep that, and then we'll we'll work our way back into like you know the top tier classic ones. Yeah, like Pregnancy Pact. We definitely need to do Pregnancy yeah, Pact. Yeah, Rachel was a big fan <laughs> of that one for sure. <laughs> no, but uh, it's always like a gift, right? Like I know nothing about these films usually, <laughs> so it's just going to be a surprise. You, you give me a name. I mean, I can't say I know nothing about these films because they, as we've discussed before, all have really obvious titles. So once yeah, you identity the title... theft of a cheerleader. <laughs> I, I was talking to Joey, the Podfather himself, and I said that we were going to be doing you know this high school slumber party, and he's like, "What movie are you doing?" I was like, "Identity theft of a cheerleader." And he's like, "Well, then I clearly don't need to watch this movie considering the entire title." Like, the whole movie is written in five words, right? And that's the beauty of it, though. Like, that's what the <laughs> art is here. I know, right? Now, had you ever seen this one before? Yes. So, these ones came out last year at the end of summer, right? And they were part of, the fi- like, the five-week lifetime, uh, like, marathon that they were doing that was titled Cheer Rally Kill. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like the end of end of summer. It looks like it was like around September, okay? And it was part of a five-part movie <laughs> special that revolved around cheer, rally, and kill. And it was like the secret lives of cheerleaders. There was identity theft of a cheerleader. There was the wrong cheerleader, which the wrong series is great. Like any title that's like the wrong mom, <laughs> the wrong brother, the wrong sister. Like they have every single one of those. And oftentimes they'll play just like... It'll be like the wrong day, right? And then like it'll be like the wrong mother, the wrong grand. There's a grandmother one. There's a cheerleader. What? Yeah, there's like it's a it's not like a se- it's not a series, but it's always like somebody's pretending to be something that they're not, right? So there is yeah, the wrong grandmother is a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> and then then there was the cheerleader escort, which was great. But Whoa! That, yeah, I know that one took place in college. That was high on the list, but it's not a high school movie. It's based in college. And then there was undercover cheerleaders. So that that was the that was the stream that they had going last September. Wow. Yeah, it was really good. Honestly, watching this film, you know, I'm happy you said that because it kind of made me want to maybe do like a cheerleading month or a cheerleading oh. set of weeks because there's a lot of great high school cheerleading films. There are, and, and there's five <laughs> that came out in September on Lifetime. So. <laughs> 
And Joey, that was our second place winner. So you were close. I was surprised. Okay. It, it got a decent amount of votes. But this was a runaway winner. This was a landslide. And I'm happy one of the Hudson Five was able to win. And that's Terry from Just One of the Guys. Doing that movie was a blast with Kate Hudson. I don't know if it was in the Hudson Five when we did it. What stuck with me from my like first watches was definitely uh, Terry's voice mm. as Man Terry or whatever. <laughs> that was something I remembered, but I couldn't like rebuild this movie front to back. Honestly, I don't even know if I could do it now, but <laughs> but definitely not. Uh, I, well, I I'm a it. little. I'll be honest. I'll admit to the world, I'm a little hungover today, so I watched it again. So I've watched it like twice in 48 hours, <laughs> and I don't. I, and I agree. I I, pro- I still probably couldn't totally recreate it, but it's, it's all good. It's rewatchable. It's actually rewatchable. Yes. You know, there's a few movies that you can just rewatch like right after you end it, like. This is one of them. This could play on loop, and that's probably why Comedy Central did that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, once once we hit the mid-90s and they, they had Soul Man in their like, loop oh, again, God. they were probably like, yikes, let's get this one off. And then they put just one of the guys on. This is in the fa- – like, okay, Soul Man is obviously egregious, but this is certainly Ugh. in the family of Soul Man in terms of just oh, like, yeah. like simple oh, gimmick. yeah. Let's see what happens. Ha ha. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like that. You know, I, I, I'm saying a lot about myself. I had another hangover day like a few <laughs> weeks ago on my couch. And it was, oh, what's that John Cryer one? I think it's called Hiding Out where he's like 30 years old, but then he goes back oh, to high school yeah. to escape the mom. Oh, yeah. That's on my list too. I think it is called Hiding Out. Like that's another one that I haven't seen the full, or maybe I have. I don't know, but I just don't remember. Yeah hiding out <laughs> like, yeah like it was like a whole thing like in like the mid 80s like grown-ass people i guess this one isn't technically part of that but it's based deceit in yes. school Let's deceit in high school you're right which is ridiculous right? <laughs> is it even in the hudson five i gotta do i gotta do this over it's just it's a kate hudson pick we'll put it that way and it's such a fun movie well i will say that just like you were talking about joe Two's passion for the lifetime movies i feel like kate has a similar kind of passion but not just about a specific type of movies it just seems like whatever she cares about she cares about so deeply and so it makes sense why you're not sure whether or not it's one of the five because it feels like whenever she comes on she like puts her whole heart and soul into whatever it is and like anything that you're remembering that she's fond of is like is this one of the five movies that she really wants to talk about or is it just another one that she loves like she brings such enthusiasm to the podcast there's a lot to appreciate about those episodes yeah to be fair the hudson five are not her five favorite movies and this is not in the hudson five by the way this predates the hudson five but she's just again like you said so passionate that if we started the hudson five last year this probably would have been in the Hudson Five. And you're right, Joey. Like, there's nothing better than having a passionate guest. And I challenge you, I give you homework out there, Slumberers, to find a more passionate guest than Kate Hudson. That's for sure. The next award is for the most athletic teen we had this year, our sophomore year in high school slumber party. So this year was a really, really, really tough year for this in terms of a lot of good nominees. I could have nominated 20 people for this award, considering we did a Cheer Monday series, and we did a basketball series. So this had a lot of potential winners here. Let me go through the list of nominees, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a write-in or two. So here goes. There's Daniel from The Karate Kid. Obviously, he does karate. There's Harry Potter from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. He's not necessarily an athlete, but he is a Quidditch player. And in that particular film, he does a lot of athletic tasks. That's kind of part of the high school element of it. There's Jimmy Chitwood from the film Hoosiers. 
There's Johnny from Surf Ninjas, surfer, obviously. There's Mox from Varsity Blues, football. There's Robin from Flying, gymnastics slash dance combos. <laughs> There's Scott from Teen Wolf, basketball. There's Torrance from Bring It On, cheerleading. There's Pink Floyd from Dazed and Confused, football. Someone wrote in Isis from Bring It On. So, Joey, who was your most athletic? I mean, a lot of good nominees here, but how can you not go with the one who's sexy, she's cute, she's popular to boot? I went with Torrance. Torrance, for sure. And when someone wrote in Isis, I was like, damn, I should have included her as well. Because she's technically, I think, more athletic than Torrance. That team ends up winning, right? And she's the captain. Once again, like you talked about on that episode, you're just focusing on the wrong story. Like, Absolutely. that movie should be about the other team, but instead <laughs> it's about the Kirsten Dunst team, right? So Absolutely. That was a good pick. It wasn't the winner, though. This was a close one. This, this is a true plurality. This only won by a couple votes, and it only ended up getting 20% of the votes. And I'm surprised because when we talked about this film, we mentioned how bad the athleticism was in it and how bad the basketball scenes were. But Scott from Teen Wolf won. I'm not happy with that one. I can tell you that's the first one I'm like, this is not. Mm -mm, Nope. mm -mm, (laughs) Nope. Let's get into it. Let's talk about this film, some of your favorite moments and stuff. And again, for March Madness, we're talking basketball. And we open up on a basketball court. Yeah, they're getting creamed. It's like, (laughs) what is it like? 70 to 12 or something the final score it's crazy yeah it's, it's really bad but it's humorous they don't look like a basketball team and that's obviously done on purpose michael j fox is pretty short um the one guy we mentioned is looks pretty out of shape for a basketball team yeah Th- they don't there's not a lot of height on their team you know they're <laughs> not very fast the coach is so i love this coach he's so yeah. like apathetic it's like <laughs> he wants to forfeit you know, <laughs> the other coach is like, what kind of example are you setting? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. We want to go home early or something? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's a great little like way to set the tone. Anything in the beginning that you want to talk about or scenes you liked or moments? Um, well, I never played high school basketball. That That was always like too high a level. But, I mean, I remember going to a lot of high school basketball games and like go maroons yeah like the the basketball team at my high school is actually pretty good so it was like fun to go watch them play and stuff and and i'm just amazed at just how much in general this high school looked and felt like my high school sometimes like like for instance when we did gleaming the cube right like that high school looked like a museum or something or like an office complex like some high schools just don't I don't know. Some kind, some do, and some just don't do it for me. And this, I was just like, "Holy shit!" It's like they shot it, like at my high school. It was like with the <laughs> with the huge cathedral like ceilings and the big long stairwells. And like, there's one part where he's like running around, and it's like he's lost. And I'm like, "Yeah, I remember getting lost in my high school once or twice when I like was a freshman." And just yeah, that, that whole the... vibe like really hit me hard. Like this, this really feels like a solid high school movie. They don't try to, like, glamorize high school either. Obviously, it's a fantasy film, but you're right. It's a very – maybe it's because of budgetary concerns, but it's a very realistic high school. I'm kind of that, that movie. That movie has some bad basketball. I can tell you that much. I mean, you and I Terrible covered – basketball. We covered a great basketball movie. At least, I think the movie was very good, and I think the basketball in it was great in The Way Back. I think that was a really good movie. And then I think almost imme- – like, oh, it was, like, immediately after the Teen Wolf episode came out, and I'm like – Oh, that is some bad basketball. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what did it. But also, we did Hoosiers right after, and that has some good basketball in it. Teen Wolf has some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. And he's only a good athlete because he turns into a wolf. 
But alas, we talked about a lot of Wolf films this year, that's for sure. Teen Wolf was one of the highlights, and Mike Manzi and I had a blast talking about it. But like I said, we both were like, the basketball is not good in here. But you brought up in our basketball series, The Way Back, and that's a movie I think got lost in the shuffle this year, because could it be nominated for favorite film? Yes, but you know it's not going to win. It's a really good movie, but... It's so niche that it doesn't really fit most of these categories. But I'm glad you brought it up because, again, that basketball series was super fun. Yeah, that's the first one of all the nominees we've had so far. I have not won every one. That's the first one where I'm like, no, 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 this is, like, objectively wrong. <laughs> so, you know, the Slumbers, I was not against you at all. I was like, all right, I respect the opinion. But this one, I was just like, Mm-mm, nope, <laughs> nope. And again, to be fair, it was a plurality. A lot of people got votes here. A lot of people got votes. The next one, most likely to succeed, always a big one in every high school, always an, an important one, always one to look back on and be like, did this person succeed? How do you measure success in 2020? That's for sure. But here goes the nominees for most likely to succeed. There's Angus Bethune from Angus. There's Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. John Hughes famously put it, he was either going to be president or wind up in jail. So 50-50 there. <laughs> Hermione Granger from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers. Jessica Stanley from Twilight Eclipse. She was valedictorian in Twilight. I feel like I had to include her. Todd Anderson from Dead Poet Society. And someone wrote in, and this is immediately disqualified because clearly you don't pay attention to the show. Someone wrote in Napoleon Dynamite. We have not covered that film yet, nor does he really fit in this category. So whoever was out there who wrote in Napoleon Dynamite, disqualified. (laughs) (laughs) But Joey, who did you find to be the most likely to succeed? So with no shade to Angus Bethune, because I mean, Angus, of course, he's obviously succeeding. He's on an internationally acclaimed podcast multiple times. (laughs) This is the picture of success, right? I would say so. There was someone that I wanted to vote for earlier, and I did not vote for her then. I want to vote for her now. Going back, there was a couple months ago... There was this like very long, in-depth... Actually, I have no idea when it was, because time doesn't mean anything anymore. It probably <laughs> was during quarantine. I don't know. But there was this like personality quiz where you take like 100 questions, and it was like a sliding scale of, like, are you more this or this? And you would drag a little sliding bar, one or the other. And the more questions you did, the more right your answer was, because the more personality traits and so on and so forth. And I did this, and there are literally hundreds of results. And there's different franchises, so there's like, you know, 20 people from Game of Thrones, and 20 people from The West Wing, and 20 people from Harry Potter, and 20 people from this and that, whatever. And my number one overall, and I've never felt so... I don't want to say so seen by a quiz because I feel like that's overused, but I never thought that I was this accurate. I am, for better and worse, Hermione Granger, and I wanted to vote for her here because I don't know how Hermione Granger, like you talked about Ferris Bueller could either become president or in in jail, right? Like Hermione is like, whatever she wants to do, she's going to do. Like she is the greatest. So I'm voting for Hermione. I hope, I hope she won. Are you like Hermione, like annoyed through all eight or nine movies like <laughs> so i found a montage on youtube of just like all her like annoyed at ron or, or annoyed at harry scenes <laughs> i feel like i mean ron just doesn't seem good at things and harry's busy doing i mean both handling more important things than schoolwork but like she's surrounding herself by dodos kind of right so like i can see why she's upset absolutely and honestly though uh i agree with you i think hermione could do anything she sets her mind to she overcomes the odds in the whole film series and even in in this film 
that we covered here, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The only true high school Harry Potter film. Though, you can make an argument for the next one, even the one before, but this is the one that had the most high school elements, and it was our Christmas special. And that was the winner, the runaway winner. So the slumbers agree with you again, Joey. You're back on track. Hermione Granger, most likely to succeed. Good job, slumberers. Way to rebound after that last one. (laughs) And that was actually our Christmas special. We had the wonderful Shawnee Mead on the Harry Potter expert, and she was very useful in that episode because Mike Manzi was our other guest, who's again been on this show a million times, a Harry Potter novice. I was somewhat a Harry Potter novice. We covered the third one for his show, Third Time's a Charm. But the Christmas special was one of my favorite episodes of our sophomore year. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we could cover it with that. So, like, it gets a little weird when I find out that Harry's crushing on someone else and then doesn't even ask her out and is, like, dating around. Yeah, because he's not. What is he doing? (laughs) Well, I love it because to explain it, it really, you have to sound like a teenager. It's like, (laughs) Harry has this crush on Cho Chang. But then she a, has a crush on Cedric, and then someone else likes this person. Yeah, it, Ron yeah. has a crush on everyone, but he won't admit that he is in love with Hermione. And yeah, and Hermione has a crush on Hermione Ron, but she's either, way too she's proud to, like, oh, God, it's so crazy. <laughs> so I have a list of people and their dates for the Yule Ball. Oh, um, of, okay. uh, of course, Harry ends up going with Pravati Patel. Yes. And then Ron goes with her sis, her twin. Yes, her, her twin, Padma Patel. And Harry's date has a much better time, it seems like, than Ron's date. Oh, God, because Ron's just being <laughs> completely insufferable. Ron just needs to go home, take his he awful even, dress robes and go away. <laughs> he doesn't even realize that, like, what he wants or feels, like, he, that he's using this poor girl to get at Hermione. Oh. He doesn't even realize he's doing it. Like, it's And then Hermione's so trying to have fun, and she's in a beautiful dress, oh. and Hermione's having a great party, and then Ron just has to come in and completely ruin the whole thing, and then Hermione's oh. left crying on the stairs at the end, because she's just oh, like, that, I was having a fun Christmas, one. and he ruined it. Victor's gone to go and get drinks. Would she care to join us? No. would not care to join you and Victor. You're wanting a knot. He's a time strap. You're fraternizing with the enemy. The enemy? Who was it wanting his autograph? Besides, the whole point of the tournament is international magical cooperation. To make friends. I think he's got a bit more than friendship on his mind. Ask me to dance or not? No. It's using you. How dare you? Besides, I can take care of myself. Doubt it. He's way too old. What? What? That's what you think? Yeah, that's what I think. You know the solution, then, don't you? Go on. Next time there's a ball, pluck up the courage and ask me before somebody else does. And not as a last resort. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's just completely off the point. Harry. Where have you been? Never mind, off to bed, both of you. They get scary when they get older. Ron, you spoiled everything! Oh, that's a rough ball. There's like several <laughs> girls crying on the stairs by the end of the night and stuff. And I think like Harry a true wants to prom. cry as well. Like I think everyone's just in tears, really. 
<laughs> no, yeah. I mean, that that's what high school is like. Ruben, it was fun to dive into the world of a big franchise because you don't see that a lot in high school movies. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, Joe, before you hopped on and we started this award show, in my little intro, I revealed the winner for Class Song. Class Song is an awesome category. It's near and dear to me. I don't know if I had a high school class song. I definitely had a middle school class song. But this is the anthem that our seniors are going to sing, or our sophomores, I guess, in this universe this universe is very muddled if you haven't figured it out but (laughs) this is the this is the song that our sophomores are going to sing at the end of our sophomore yearbook ceremony if you will and we had some good nominees big bad wolf from teen wolf was nominated do the hippograph from harry potter and the goblet of fire donka shane from ferris bueller's day off twist and shout from ferris bueller's day off through the trees from jennifer's body heroes from the person being a wallflower and to sir with love from the movie To Sir With Love. Great songs this year. Great songs. Like, I, I can't argue with a lot of those. And the winner ended up being Heroes by David Bowie. So much more serious than last year's class song, which was, can you remember what last year's class song was, Joey? No, I have no idea what was last year. How could anyone really top that? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> when you compare top that to probably the crown jewel song in Bowie's Berlin trilogy, Heroes... <laughs> just so different so different our sophomores took things very seriously but did you have a pick for that one by the way okay so i think especially the way that you and kyle described it in the last episode about why heroes maybe should win or the importance of that song in that movie i agree with that i didn't feel like there were a lot of opportunities for me to vote for this movie a movie that i really really like if you're like hey sing the song i'm like i can't i'm sorry i can't <laughs> uh, but i voted for through the trees from jennifer's body because i felt like like, that movie is just so weird and special in different ways. And uh, I think that Ferris Bueller is kind of one of those things where, like, I think the Twist and Shout is more famous, more well-known, whatever. But, like, Donkashin might take a few votes away. It's a tough one. I went with Through the Trees, but I'm, I, I understand why Heroes won. Jennifer's Body was another episode that, that Iceland came on. She wasn't too happy with it. I wasn't too familiar with the movie. Uh, maybe that one deserves a redo at some point because I know there are people who really, really love that film. But I, I did like that song in the movie. Second place, though, was Twist and Shout. And, and I get it. It's fun. It has fun elements. But I, I think the slumberers are right here in picking heroes. It does feel like a class song. For sure. And I bring this category up because we still have a competitive category yet to be announced in the same milieu, if you will. And that's most musical. It's related, but it's not the same. Here are your nominees for most musical. There was Babs in Two Sir with Love. There was Cassandra from One Crazy Summer. Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Lana from The Princess Diaries, played by Mandy Moore, and Michael from The Princess Diaries. So not as many musical people this year, I realize that. Is this an artistic? Are these like the, the ones with the fewest nominees? It feels like a lot of the other ones yeah. have like six, seven, eight. This only has five. It feels yeah. like this is a, a tighter category because there's fewer. Good music this sophomore year, not so many musical people. People. So who did you have in this one? Uh, who do you think is going to win? What, what are your thoughts on most musical? I went with one that a recent episode of yours, not the most recent episode, but I went with one that I thought was just a kind of an outside the box pick. I went with it almost exclusively based on your write up for the episode. And I went with Babs to Sir with Love. I mean, how can you not? I mean, I guess I understand how you can not because people don't know that movie. But like, (laughs) how can you not go with Babs? She's great. That is a great film, an older film. But it was such a blast talking about that film with John Harden and and Kyle Reinfried. That did get some votes. I was surprised. But that was not the winner. We actually have a tie in this category. Wow. Okay. Is this the second tie? Second tie, yes. 
the first winner, and I'm glad this movie got votes. It was Cassandra from One Crazy Summer, a movie, again, I, I covered last summer with Christian Larson. She's played by Demi Moore. Great character. She's a musician. I love seeing a young Demi Moore and stuff. She's such a talented actor. And she tied with Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I just see that as a product of A, he sings a lot in the film, but he's lip syncing. <laughs> but B, such a popular movie, such an affable guy, such a guy you want to be your friend. So we have a tie in that category. I recall Central Park in fall. How you saw your dress. What a mess. I confess. I get it. Yeah. I, th- I think that's fair. I'm not upset that mine didn't win because, again, I'm just happy to be nominated. I think that's a great showing, though, for Cassandra from one for sure. Summer. Yeah, to tie Ferris Bueller and being like so much more obscure from the same era. Like, bravo for that. The next category, though, oof, this one's gonna maybe chill your spine. It's, it's a <laughs> it's a broad category because creep can be defined in many many ways. But I do love this category. Well, I will say here that there is one to me. I don't think my winner is going to win, but I think objectively, my creep is the biggest creep in maybe any movie ever, but we'll get to, I just think it's a movie that people don't know about, but please, I know. What you're I think, say, I think yeah. you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> so, so the nominees for class creep were Beavis from Beavis and Butthead do America, Butthead from Beavis and Butthead do America. I didn't know which one to pick. They're both would be kind of creepy in your class. So I, I just nominated both Cameron from Ferris Bueller's day off who Maybe he's not the most creepy person on this list, but certainly he fits more of like an accurate class creep. He also pretends to be catatonic and watches his best friend's girlfriend get changed. Kind of a creepy move. I think you'd agree with that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's Simone from Dare Fan. There's Stu from Scream, which is the Matthew Lillard character. There's Vicky once again from Identity Theft of Cheerleader. And someone wrote in Edward. So, Joey, who is that pick that you were going to say is the most creepy here? And who do you think actually wins? Well, I actually don't know who wins. I have no idea who this is going to win. I know Edward, whoever wrote in Edward again, probably didn't win. But the movie Durfan starts off kind of innocuous, gets a little creepy, and then by the end, I mean, on the cover of the Blu-ray, she's got like the, the Thanksgiving, you know, serrated knife with <laughs> that she uses after she kills spoiler kills the man that she's been obsessed with and then dices his butt like how can you not go with simone i mean it's if you've seen der fan that will never leave your brain i agree joey that's actually who i voted for it got some votes so i think anyone who saw that movie voted for it of course we both know it didn't win but that was such a fun episode with alexander schroeder i mean i had seen it at your house but i wasn't really digesting it we were watching like a bunch of movies like that I didn't have my notepad out, if you will. But Alexandra Schroeder was my guest. She had not seen it. She loved it. I loved it. What a creepy, creepy film. And that was part of our Women in Horror series, which was another great series that we did. If I might say so myself, sorry. (laughs) Another great series that we did this year in High School Slumber Party. A series that you helped curate. The first two movies were not your curation, if that's a word. Uh, They were Slumber Party Massacre and Slumber Party Massacre 2. That was more Mike Manzi's doing because we covered Slumber Party Massacre 3 on his show, Third Time's a Charm. But the next bunch, Durfan, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Jennifer's Body, which we mentioned, and Tragedy Girls, which is a movie I know you really liked, were all you're doing. And 
I don't know. That was a really, really fun thing to do for Halloween, and I know you were a big part of that. I've been thinking about it again. I mean, I don't really have picks. If you're, if you would have me back, I'm sure we could come up with a a new a new way of doing it this year. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe same theme, maybe different theme, but we definitely have to talk about that. October yeah. feels so far away, though. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Unfortunately for us, Joey, that wasn't the winner. But the winner was from another horror movie, and that was Stu, Matthew Lillard's character in Scream, a great horror movie. So I'm not really disappointed in this. He's creepy as hell. That was a fun episode, too. We always kick off our fall horror spree with my good friends, Dan and Autumn Ferrara. And again, that was a fun episode. She was clearly passionate about it. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I- yes. I was a little confused, like... All right, I get why this guy did it, Billy, but why did Matthew Lillard do it? That's where it leads to me. Is I think Matthew Lillard's, his character's more crazy than, like, Billy. Billy seems to have more motive besides, like, Matthew Lillard's moment seems to be, like, fun. I think he but, was just bored well, see, and maybe wanted an excuse to get, like, he was like, all right, well, we're going to, uh, sure, I'll go along with your plan, but kill my ex-girlfriend. I guess but so. That's, that's I mean, what I'm saying. That's more psychopathic. No There's no emotion involved. It's like, Kill people, yeah, sure. And because he, he, the reality for him is not even there. He's sitting there like, "Did you really call the cops? My parents can be, so be so mad at me." It's like it, it, it's not. It's not even the fact that like he realizes he's killing people. He's just like in the term when we say antisocial personality, literally anti like society, yeah. which I guess could lead you into SLC punk. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like that's more psychotic than you know broken home Billy being mad at Sydney's dad. It's really really interesting. Corn syrup. Same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry. Surprise, Sydney. Oh, no. What's the matter, Sydney? You look like you've seen a ghost. Why are you doing this? It's all part of the game, Sydney. It's called Guess How I'm Gonna Die! Fuck you! No, 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 no. We already played that game, remember? You lost. It's a fun game, Sydney. See, we ask you a question, and if you get it wrong, you die. You get it right, you die. You're crazy, both of you. You actually refer the term psychotic. We'll never get away with this. Tell that to Cotton Weary. Wouldn't believe how easy he was to frame. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. (laughs) It was fun. No! Where you going? (laughs) Why? Why did you kill my mother? Why? Why? You hear that, Stu? I think she wants a motive. (laughs) Hmm. I don't really believe in motive, Sid. I mean, did Norman Bates have a motive? No. Did they ever really decide why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? Don't think so. See, it's a lot scarier when there's no motive, Sid. We did your mom a favor, Sid. That woman was a slut bag whore who flashed her shit all over town like she was Sharon Stone or something. Yeah, we put her out of her misery. Because let's face it, Sidney, your mother was no Sharon Stone. Hmm?
Although I do want to counter, I think, I think, and this is, it's, it's been a while, it's going back a while now, I want to say that either Dan or Autumn said that the only good scream is the first scream. It was that, Autumn. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I mean, there are like four, I, I've only seen each of the sequels once, so I'm, she might be right, but I think that they're, again, going back to your ethos of trying to say good things about good movies or good things about all movies or whatever. I think that the first one is obvious. Like there's, I'm not saying that any of the sequels are as good as the first one, but... I remember two being really good and three being pretty good and four being okay. But I think there's more. If you like Scream and you were dissuaded from watching the sequels by Autumn, go check it out. Go check out the sequels. Oh, I got a lot of uh, participation on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook regarding Autumn's comment there. Some people did reach out and were like, that is not true. I'm like, okay, I don't know. You know, I'm not a horror guy, as I've said a million times. But we weren't covering the other ones, so I don't feel as bad. But I don't think there is a Scream that returns to high school till one of the later ones. Who knows? <laughs> but speaking of Scream, when I think of these horror movies, I always think of that classic Scream queen. Uh, in Scream, I think it's, it would qualify as like Nev Campbell. There's a bunch of them in the other films we covered. A little bit different, though, is the category of prom queen. And Joey... I know both of us were not the prom queens at our high school. <laughs> and it, it, it's kind of an outdated category. I don't know if they even do prom queen anymore for prom, but I feel like I had to include it because it's in so many high school films. Here were the nominees. And by the way, I'm, I'll say this off the bat, there weren't a lot of great nominees this year because there weren't a lot of like traditional prom queens. So I just picked certain people who I think exemplified who what a prom yeah, queen yeah, yeah. would be. Yeah. There's Allie from The Karate Kid, played by... Elizabeth Shue. There's Buffy Ooh. from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's Jennifer from Jennifer's Body. There's Mia from The Princess Diaries. There's Sloane from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's Tata Torrance from Bring It On. There's Liz from Spider-Man Homecoming. And someone wrote in Edward. <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't even know where to go with that. I... <sighs> So this is difficult. I think there's a couple here that I would be happy with if they won. But my, my thinking here was, I don't know how you can vote for a category that's prom queen by not voting for someone who is a literal princess. I don't disagree. I think that if I had my pick, Mia from The Princess Diaries would win. That episode with Shawnee Mead was another fun one that we did. Oh, I will tell you. I did not tell you this. I saw that movie in theaters with my mom and my sister. And then they, that was that was the first movie I ever saw in theaters where I was like, oh, I don't need to be here. Like, this, this movie's <laughs> not for me. But I did see that movie in theaters. And that was the first one where I was just like, oh, maybe I don't have to go to every movie that my, my, my sister goes to. I was just like, oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, again, are we a James Franco? Are we an Anne Hathaway? And the, who, who doesn't want to be the Princess of Genovia? And she's so elegant. The way that that movie ends i know it's not really a prom but it's almost like a prom because it's a dance and there's a speech so in my book she's earned the title of prom queen weirdly and i say weirdly she's not our prom queen because wow. the winner was kind of a runaway winner and that's sloan from ferris bueller's day off someone i put in here just like kind of as token i like sloan don't get me wrong but she's not <sighs> really the main focus of that movie i don't know so she's the winner slumbers Whatever. <laughs> I feel like, again, just like how, what did Ferris win before in a landslide? He won, oh no, most musically, tied for most musical, tied. right? Like, I feel like it's just a movie that people are like, oh, I like that movie. Let me vote for that. Like, no, I mean, no, <laughs> no, no disrespect to Sloan. Sloan is great, but like, come on. I was happy to see Buffy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer got a lot of votes as well. Okay. Now, I don't have Prom King because I felt like this would be redundant to have this category and Prom King, but that's Class Hunk. Ooh, but and this is a very competitive category this year. Okay. <laughs> the nominees for Class Hunk are Cliff from Bring It On, Edward from Twilight, 
Jacob from Twilight, good battle there. Mox from Varsity Blues. Peter Kavinsky, less woe-woes this year. <laughs> and to all the boys, P.S. I still loved you. I mean, I think that you are actually taking up the mantle of woe-woe-woe, because you say it every episode. Yeah, I say it much more than Peter. One of your boys, someone who you were very supportive of on the initial watch, and that's John Ambrose. Okay. To all the boys, P.S. I still love you. <laughs> this one I put in kind of as a joke, but he ended up getting some votes. Victor Crumb from <laughs> Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which he's like Hermione's date, but I wouldn't consider him a classic prom uh, king, but I think he's like kind of prom king in, in that movie. And so he then just goes to like class hunk. You get it. <laughs> and we had two write-ins. One I'll get to later, but this other one... Guys, what are you thinking? Damone from Fast Times? We did not cover that in the sophomore year. Who wrote that in? <laughs> also, Damone, like, he's a weirdo in that movie. I don't think he's a class... I don't know. That there's a, lot, there's a lot of issues with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's closer to class creep in my mind. Whatever. Damone, we can, we can address that when we cover Fast Times. Well, Joey, who do you think won class honk? Who did you vote for? You know, this is another difficult one. I think that there are some that I would... I would not vote for. I, I can't handicap this one. I don't know who's going to win this one, but I went with someone, and I don't want I don't want to tease the other write-in, but the other write-in is another character played by this actor, and how can you not go with the Twilight Boy himself, Edward? Edward, and you'd be right. Edward won, and it was a very, very close one. These are all the people who got votes. Jacob got some votes. <laughs> who God knows who. Um, Cliff from Bring It On got some votes. Victor Crumb, as I mentioned, got some votes. Mox got a decent amount of votes from Varsity Blues. People got the James Vanderbeek crush out there. <laughs> <laughs> but the write-in that we haven't mentioned yet was Cedric Diggory from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And, of course, Cedric Diggory is played by the same man who yep. plays Edward. And that's the Batman. And that's our Pat's Robert Pattinson. So Edward wins here from Twilight. I'm happy a Twilight could win because the Twilight Forever series is so representative on this podcast this year. It's been such a big part of this podcast with Kate Hudson. And I love when Kate Hudson talks about Edward and especially like the Edward Jacob relationship or maybe lack thereof or why <laughs> someone should pick Edward over Jacob. Again, she's so passionate when it comes to that. So bravo, Edward. You are our winner for Class Hunk. I'm 99% sure you know Jacob is not going to win this battle. And they don't even make it a fair fight. Yeah, like the Team Edward, Team Jacob thing was, I don't know. All I can say is we had cutouts of Edward at our house parties back in 2008. We did not have cutouts of Jacob. (laughs) Just saying. This was a thing. I don't think like dudes understand. And I don't know how many dudes like listen to the Twilight series on this podcast. But like (laughs) Twilight was it like its own like language. 12 years ago it was such a cultural touchstone for women i can't explain it and like i'm sure there's a few women's like it wasn't for me and like that's cool it not for all of us but oh man for the ones like who were into this shit this was like shorthand for like getting to the meat and like potatoes of it all (laughs) i love it i'm learning so much from this and again even though guys it might sound critical i'm having a blast with this series and I have to jump in, even though you may think I'm talking shit about the series. I deeply, deeply love it, and I love it. And it like we all have that like dummy in the friend group. It's typically me, like who does stupid shit and like crazy shit, and you're like, ah, oh, that asshole, right? But like anybody who talks shit outside of your friend group of that person, like you will throw down. So 
I'm being very open and honest about Twilight because it does have its flaws and I love it for its flaws actually. But like, please make no mistake. This is not like someone who secretly hates it and is talking shit. I uh, fucking yes. love Twilight. I, I forgot to mention that, Kate. I know what you're alluding to. The fact that I told you last time that there were some people who reached out to me and be like, why, did, why does Kate hate that movie? Uh, with, I, only I, the first one. And I know you don't hate it. I know you love it. And No. It, I have to. I'm, I'm holding in my hands right now the Twilight Saga, the official illustrated guide. Like, I take my Twilight like guide journey so seriously. I went out and bought, like, a book, <laughs> which is basically just Stephanie Meyer's, like, it's, like, 600 pages of just Twilight bullshit and backstory. Like, I now know that family and friends of Bella, Charlie Swan, was born in 1964. He is six foot tall. Physical description. Charlie is very, fairly tall and has an average build. Like, I love this story. Oh and this but, like, That's how she writes, by the way. Like, you just got an idea of how, like. Oh, my God. That's interesting. Isn't it great? So, definitively answer that question. I love this series so much. And I will only talk shit about it with like-minded people. But if people who want to shit on Twilight want to talk shit, I will throw down with you. <laughs> I think it's a great thing. I also do want to say, and I think on your Harry Potter Goblet of Fire episode, I think you did the sorting house for Mike Manzi. I think he wound up being Hufflepuff too. But I'm Hufflepuff. I'm loud and proud. I've come to accept it. I really, like when I first took that quiz, I took that quiz like 12 times. I was like, I can't be Hufflepuff. And I got Hufflepuff like 9 or 10 of the 12 times. I'm like, okay. I find I get it. I'm Hufflepuff. But Cedric Diggory, you know, when Joe and I went with our family field trip down to Universal Studios in Orlando, when the Too Fast, Too Forever supercharged ride started up, right? And we went to Harry Potter World, and I went to, I bought a wand. I bought the Cedric Diggory wand, because I was like, I need to represent. There's only, like, there's very little representation in terms of Hufflepuff <laughs> in all of Universal. It's all Gryffindor. It's like, of course. it's like, 55% Gryffindor, like 40% or 45% Slytherin, and then there's like a little bit of Ravenclaw and a little bit of Hufflepuff. And I had to get, I mean, again, I shouldn't have spent way too much money on the interactive wand that's just sitting on my shelf, but I have a Cedric <laughs> Degree wand, so whoever wrote that in, I respect it. Yeah, don't take it as an insult, but you seem like a Hufflepuff. Oh yeah, 100%. Sense. I just, I needed to come to terms <laughs> with it. I get it. Yeah, you're Hufflepuff-ish. I'm a Gryffindor, and I don't know... How that happened, because that's like the last thing I want to be. My biggest criticism forever in Harry Potter is just like how Gryffindor-centric and how Harry-centric the books are and the films are. I think it's corrected a little bit later when houses kind of don't mean as much anymore, maybe on the grand scheme of things. But I was like, oh man, I'm a Gryffindor. I'm the only one who's upset to be a Gryffindor, I think. But I'm glad, because like, I feel whenever somebody's like, oh, I'm a Gryffindor, I'm like, no, you're not. And that's not even like a thing about them. It just feels like no one is a Gryffindor. All I wanted to be was a Ravenclaw. That was my ideal. That was my goal. <laughs> and I mean, I don't, I'm not a Slytherin. I know that I'm not a Slytherin. I, I don't want to be a Gryffindor. I would be like, I would retake it if I was a Gryffindor. I just wanted to be a Ravenclaw and I never got Ravenclaw. So I'm Hufflepuff through and through. I know that. I've accepted that. I don't know if I've ever met someone who has been sorted into Ravenclaw. Unless it's, Shawnee was. I can't remember. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hell of a thing. What, uh, what side would you be sorted into in Twilight? You think you'd be a wolf boy? You think you'd be a vampire? Oh, God, I hope I'm not a wolf boy. <laughs> <laughs> they just seem terrible. 
I didn't think we'd talk this much R Pats on High School Slumber. Oh, Party, I love him. But now we're talking about him forever, and it was so good to see him in two films. And it's fun because we actually did Harry Potter right before starting all the Twilight. So I, I love the journey that his career has taken. That's for sure. I agree. I do think. I mean. I've only seen the final two Twilight movies because How Did This Get Made covered both of those. And so when I was still watching every one of those movies that they were covering, I watched it for those. But he's been in like three or four of like my favorite movies in the last like, say, eight, ten, whatever. Ever since he basically finished Twilight or like started doing things that weren't Twilight, he's been in some really, really good things. And I do think he has the chance to be my favorite Batman ever. Wow. that That's. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I said it. <laughs> This next category, I feel like, is going to be a little bit controversial. Uh Because just like creep, what defines a party animal is different to different people. Some parties are filled with keg stands and illicit drugs. Some parties are like the party in Booksmart, which is just a murder mystery party. Some parties are just for playing board games or Settlers of Catan or something like that. So whatever a party animal to you is different, I suppose. Here are the nominees for biggest party animal. Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mo from Big Time Adolescence, Ned from Spider-Man Homecoming, Randy from Scream, Slater from Dazed and Confused, and Styles from Teen Wolf. Joey, who is the biggest party animal to you? Oh boy, um, this is a tricky one. I think, again, whether or not rightfully so, I think just based on what we've seen the Slumberers vote for today, I think I know who won. It is who I voted for. I don't know if he is the biggest party animal, but I went with Ferris because, again, he's Ferris Bueller. We didn't have a lot of traditional party animals this year. I think Styles would have been a good choice, but uh, he did not win, and I'm glad because he already won a different category. But you were right, Joey. Once again, you were in line with the Slumbers. Ferris Bueller won in a landslide, and I get it. We don't really see him at a traditional party, but you know at that party he'd be leading things. We see him lead a parade. We essentially lead, see him lead the city of Chicago in a party. So Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it. I I'm looking at the results now, and I'm I'm so sorry to see that Ned got zero votes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, not a lot of love for Ned. <laughs> but again, it's okay though. It's okay. There's a lot of varying degrees of party animal on this list. Like Slater, who I loved in Days and Confused, a very different kind of party than um, maybe I don't know. Maybe Slater and Mo would be at the same parties because Mo certainly hangs out in some shady environments because of his. Uh, mentor. Speaking of uh, mentors, he's a nominee for our next category, the Han Lu Memorial Mentor Award. Cue the music. I don't know what music we should play here. Maybe the Tokyo Drift song, but the, I don't know. It's not mentory because it's a, it's a memorial award. Joey, if you can just because you are one of the hosts of Too Fast Too Forever, we talked about Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift last year mm-hmm. on High School Slumber Party, and when I was thinking of new awards, I was like, there are a lot of people here who were mentors and they don't necessarily fit in and I'm like wow Han really would have probably won this award last year or would have been a nominee it's a shame he can't win this year and I was like justice for Han I'm like wait justice for Han <sighs> this is so powerful let's do justice for Han and give an award to the biggest mentor of our sophomore year do you have any words uh, about that about Han you're, you're a big justice for Han guy I am I mean Han is the coolest character in the Fast and Furious franchise you know, every time we have a, a new guest come on uh, Too Fast, Too Forever, we ask them who their favorite character is. And, like, whenever people don't say Han, I'm like, really? Like, I think my, my, my favorite character is either Han or Brian. Like, I think the franchise builds you up. And I say this on every episode, every time we talk about it. But the franchise builds you up to follow it from Brian's eyes, through Brian's eyes. I mean, it's kind of Brian's story, then it becomes Dom's story. 
especially because of the Pascal Walker, but like Han just comes in out of nowhere in Tokyo Drift and is just like, hey, I'm the coolest character that's ever been written for a movie. Oh, I'm going to come back in some other movies. I'm still going to be as cool. You know, me and Giselle together, me and Gal Gadot together are going to be even cool. Like, it's just, how can you not love Han? Han Lu, Han Solo, however you want to say his name. It's, man, I love Han. And it's fair to say that he would have gotten your vote last year if the category Oh, absolutely. Existed. I was going to look back, like, when I had some free time and see who would have uh, been nominated. And I was thinking of just putting, like, a flash poll up on social media. Just, like, retroactively give the award. <laughs> but this is for our sophomore year today. We had a lot of great nominees, that's for sure. And this is a special award because, again, justice for Han. Han actually passed away in Tokyo Drift. Technically, I guess he did in another film, right, too, because we see it again. It's in, like, an alternate camera angle, essentially, but yeah, but yeah, Tokyo Drift is the one where he uh, he passes away. So our our gift to the Fast and Furious franchise, the high school movie, is the one that actually, in your mind, kills the coolest character. Will he return? We don't know. That's to be determined in a later movie. We'll see. But <laughs> it's still called the Han Lu Mentor Award. And here are your nominees. A lot of great nominees this year. We had Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Tanner from Red Dawn. We had Carlisle from Twilight. Lisa from Weird Science. She technically has already won, but not as a person, as an object, which is one <laughs> of the problematic things about that film. Sure. Because they won the Science Award. But I, th- I thought she was great in that film. And I think I make that clear in the episode. Stormy from To All the Boys. P.S. I Still Love You. Played by the... Amazing Holland Taylor. Tony Stark from Spider-Man Homecoming. Wooderson from Dazed and Confused. Zatch from Surf Ninjas. Zeke from Big Time Adolescence. Oof. Played by someone who's hot in the industry right now, Pete Davidson. And Wolfman Jack from American Graffiti. I don't know where I don't know where this is gonna wind up. There's a lot of great options here, but I'm sort of returning to where I began this podcast, this episode in particular, where the reason I love the MCU the way that I do is because of Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Iron Man. I think it's probably true of a lot of people, but, like, without him, those movies don't get made. Like, I think that he, the way that he does, the way that at the end, you know, he just says, I am Iron Man. He just embodies everything. And I think everything about that franchise that people love, I think it's all due in very, very large part to Robert Downey Jr. And I don't know how you can't go with Tony Stark, Spider-Man Homecoming, because... He's just, he's the coolest. He's the absolute coolest. I agree. And he becomes like a father figure to Peter. He's really, really a great character in just not the MCU, but in Spider-Man's trajectory as well. And I just want to be clear with this award, if I didn't previously explain it. It's not for a teacher or a parent. It's for someone in a high schooler's life who just acts as a mentor, just like Han in Tokyo Drift. Yeah. When you put it that way... I don't think you can go with a better pick than Tony Stark in Spider-Man Homecoming. And he is our winner. Both of those guys, yeah. Like, So you had that earlier scene where Tony, but it's not, Tony's in India, I guess. Oh, yeah. And he, and yeah. he just has the suit and he's talking to him. So not their biggest reveal, but one of the cool reveals and like intimate reveals is that when Tony shows up and he helps put the boat back together, it's actually Tony. Because, yes. Well, first time I saw it, I was thinking too, like, oh, he's sending the suit again. And, and... Yeah, because when, when like it's revealed originally and like when the trailers were coming out and Iron Man's in this, it's just like, oh, wow, like, yeah, they're going to be like, do, like, and they were showing what's happening on the ferry. And then when you start watching the movie, you're like, oh, that's probably just going to be one of his like drone things that he's, you know, operating, which we got like original showing in even like Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. And... 
then like you said, that's such a great reveal that he's on the rooftop. And now that... I don't want to talk too much about Endgame. I want to talk a little bit more about Endgame next week. Sure. How it leads into this. Yeah. But watching it now after Endgame, what Tony's saying to him... I cry every time. Dude, I wanted to bring that up too. This is the first time I... This is the first MCU movie... I watched, I think, since... I, mean, I watched Ragnarok, but there was no Iron Man in Ragnarok, yeah. you know? So, when, like, right when Tony came on screen in the car, I was like, oh, my God. It Like, I didn't expect it to, but I felt like someone, like, slapped me in the face a couple of times and, like, punched me in the stomach. I was, like, starting to, like, well up. I was like, oh, I can't both believe it's saw, happening. Both times I saw Endgame, I cried. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, the second time I saw Endgame, I was, I was a messy mess by, like, five minutes in. <laughs> it's just <laughs> for the entire movie, but... Yeah, I was surprised how much that affected me this time watching it. I was like, Tony, and he's alive, and it's the beginning of their whole thing. Previously on Peter Screws the Pooch, I tell you to stay away from this. Instead, you hacked a multi-million dollar suit so you could sneak around behind my back doing the one thing I told you not to do. Is everyone okay? No thanks to you. No thanks to me? Those weapons were out there, and I tried to tell you about it, but you didn't listen. None of this would have happened if you had just listened to me. <laughs> if you even cared, you'd actually be here. I did listen, kid. Who do you think called the FBI, huh? You know that I was the only one who believed in you? Everyone else said I was crazy to recruit a 14-year-old kid. I'm 15. No, this is where you zip it, all right? The adult is talking. What if somebody had died tonight? different story, right? Because that's on you. And if you died, I feel like that's on me. I don't need that on my conscience. Yes, sir. I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. I, sorry doesn't matter. I understand. I just, I just wanted to be like you. And I wanted you to be better. Okay, it's not working out. I'm going to need the suit back. For how long? Forever. Yeah. yeah that's no, no, works. no. Please, please, please. Let's have it. You don't understand. Please, this is all I have. I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it, okay? Gotta sound like my dad. I don't have any other clothes. Okay, we'll sort that out. Like, like the line, like, if people die, that's on, if people die here, that's on you. If you, if die, you die, that's, that's, on, that's on, me. on me. And it kind of happened. Oh God! Yeah. And not just, the, not that's just exactly game, what happened. Not no, just Endgame, yeah. but also uh, no, one of the Infinity both, War. Both Infinity War and Endgame. We'll yeah, talk more that's, about next week. But. Yeah, again, but yeah, but yeah, we will talk about it with Endgame. But like I, something like I think I heard it, but it just even hit harder when watching Endgame the second time. Was like when Tony gets back and he says to Cap, "Like I lost the kid." I'm like, ah, yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. But what I love here again, you get allusions to that. Like they knew what they were doing clearly Ooh. when they wrote this script. You know what and I? They're lo- building that father-son relationship. And let's just then also still like let's just say like Robert Downey Jr. him being in this and it being like the high school like the John Hughes like that's just cool. That's yeah. a good point. I didn't even right? think about that. Yeah, that's just cool. Just him being you know a kind and of the youth Brat actor Pack of his day. Kinda, yeah, you know. a Brat Pack guy. So, <laughs> but he just eked it out. A lot of people got votes. These are people who received multiple votes. And this one I had a soft spot for, but I don't think he's necessarily a great mentor. He's just a memorable mentor. And he gets an award every week. And that's Wooderson from Taste and Confused. <laughs> My man, what has happened? Long time, no see. <laughs> yes, sir. What have you been up to? Same old shit, man. Yeah? Working for the city. Working man, huh? Been thinking about getting back in school, though, man. 
back in JC or something like that? Yeah, man. I mean, that's where all the girls are, right? Yes, they are. <laughs> but on the other hand, man, I just soon keep working. Keep a little change in my pocket. Yeah? Wait. Rather than spend my time listening to some dipshit who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about anyway. Well, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you're a freshman, right? Yeah. So tell me, man, how's this year's crop of freshman chicks look? <laughs> what, you gonna end up in jail sometime really soon? I know that. Fact. No, man. Yeah. No, man, I tell you. Yeah. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh. Yes, they do. <laughs> Yeah, there's someone here like Wooderson's not a great mentor. Zeke's not a great mentor. There's people in here who are like, mm, I'm not exactly sure if they're the they're the type of person you want to be following. Depends what your values are, right? It depends True. what your values are. <laughs> yeah, so Zeke didn't get a lot of love, but I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie. Stormy and To All the Boys got a lot of love, and I thought she was great in that film. Lisa and Weird Science got some love. Carlisle from Twilight got some love. There was no Edward Ryden, which was nice. <laughs> Even Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Tanner from Red Dawn got some love. The one person who I was very surprised got some love was Zatch from Surf Ninjas. Surf Ninjas decently represented on this poll and got a lot of votes. So there are some Surf Ninjas love out there. That's a little surprising, but I'm into it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, Tony Stark, he really deserves this award. I was happy when I saw that he won because it really sets the tone for what this award is going to be in future high school slumber party yearbook specials. Because like, if... We covered Tokyo Drift this year, and we covered Spider-Man last year. This award might be called the Tony, the Tony Stark, Stark Memorial yeah. Mentor Award. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Another mentor that's very near and dear to any high schooler's life, whether they like them or not, is their teacher. Mm-hmm. And this is a very different category because a teacher and a mentor... A teacher can be a mentor... But I wanted to differentiate because in film there's so many non-teacher mentors. But we had a lot of great teachers this year. It might have been the most stacked category of the year. It's definitely one of the more difficult ones to vote on, I can tell you that much. I don't know if it's always going to be like this. As we've seen, there were some stronger categories in in certain things last year. But if every year goes like this, we're going to have a lot of challenges. Here are the nominees. Mr. Miyagi for Karate Kid. Mr. Harrington from Spider-Man Homecoming, Mr. Smith, in quotation marks, from the movie The Substitute, that's Tom Berenger's character. Of course. Thackeray, from To Sir With Love, great performance, great movie. Mrs. Gupta, from The Princess Diaries. Professor Keating, from Dead Poets Society. Professor Snape, from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Maybe not everyone's favorite Interesting, teacher, yeah, very interesting. But I, I felt like I had to nominate one, and there's, there's a telling of Harry Potter that says Snape is the real hero, so... I thought I would let him be represented here. Razak from Starship Troopers. He's his teacher at the beginning and ends up becoming like his general. And economics teacher from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. I don't know if that's anyone's favorite teacher, but had to put him on the list as well. Joey, what are your thoughts on this category? I think it's difficult to pick one of these. I wish, in retrospect, I had voted for Mr. Smith from The Substitute, because I think that would have been really funny. But (laughs) because I didn't know how this category would turn out, I went with the high school slumber party criteria of iconicness. And when you think of all these, I mean, Snape, of course, Alan Rickman's portrayal there, the late great, to use you and Kyle's favorite phrase, the late great Alan Rickman, but... I went with the most iconic one of these, and I went with economics teacher from Ferris Bueller, because when you think think teachers, he's up there. 
Again, I don't know. To your point, I don't know if he's my favorite, but I think when I'm if I'm picking between these, and I'm trying to go with the iconic, which is not which is not a criteria that I use for other other <laughs> categories. But for this one, I went with economics teacher because I think it fit. And he did get some love, believe it or not. He did get some love, but he was not the winner. I thought Thackeray was very deserving, but I knew none of people of this generation had seen that movie for him to win. It seems like that he needs to teach this generation how to, you know, treat him with a little bit more respect. Yes. (laughs) Call him sir. (laughs) But again, a lot of great nominees here. One that Kyle was very adamant on. It wasn't Thackeray, believe it or not. And that was Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. And that was a controversial pick because he is not a traditional teacher. He doesn't teach in school. He could have gone in the mentor category. But I figured he's his karate teacher. And that's a discipline he learns, an important discipline in Daniel LaRusso's life. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look in my eye. Lock a hand, thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Um, that episode with Mike Manzi, too, was one of the more fun episodes I did on here. But if I'm mentioning it now, you know that's not the winner. The winner is an all-time legendary teacher in the High School Slumber Party, Hall of Fame if there was one, played by another late great, as you said, Kyle and I's favorite phrase. That's the late Robin Williams playing Professor Keating and Dead Poets Society. It wasn't my pick, but it's hard to argue against it. Exactly, right? Like, I almost feel bad if that one didn't win, because when people do, like, BuzzFeed lists of, like, favorite teachers in movies, he's always up there. The way he teaches the kids. John Harden was our guest that day. Maybe he wasn't the biggest fan, being a teacher himself, of Keating's teaching methods, but he certainly liked the film. I did as well. And just the way he speaks to his students... Well, John, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Anything else you want to get off your chest? If not, plug where people can follow you, find you, or whatever else you want to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm currently doing some chess lectures to stay sane that I've been posting on YouTube. And uh, so people can find me on there at Hardinaka. That's H-A-R-D-I-N-A-K-A. And you can also find me at Hardinaka on Twitter and those are probably the best places right now since, uh, you know, it turns out all the theaters are closed. That <laughs> that nickname, by the way, Hardanaka, is actually a high school nickname. So very fitting for today. I, n- I never pronounced it like that. I well, thought it was AKA. Yeah, well, now you know. The only other thing I have to say is, Brian, make your life extraordinary. <laughs> but if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? Do you think we did it? Do you think we carpeted the DM? We carpeted so hard. And then when you 
realize just like the performance of Robin Williams, you're like, wow, powerful role. Can't argue with the winner there. Absolutely. Agreed. Could not agree more. Joey, we have maybe the biggest category, maybe the most important category, maybe not. Who knows? It's up to opinion. But this is a category that I thought there were a lot of nominees this year. It wasn't hard to pick. I put a lot on the list, but of course you could write in as well. And that's favorite film. I'm just going to go through them quickly just to acknowledge their existence. Sure. There were some on here that didn't get nominated for other categories, but I thought were enjoyed by you slumbers out there that they should just be mentioned. Here are the nominees. American Graffiti, Angus, Blockers, Brick, Bring It On, Dazed and Confused, Dead Poet Society, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Princess Diaries, Scream, Spider-Man Homecoming, Teen Wolf, The Karate Kid, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You, and Twilight. And I giggled a little because I felt like, you ever, I don't know, maybe this predates you. I know we're not different in ages that much, but I don't know if you use this service. But there was a service called Movie Phone, and you used to be able to call in and and, uh, hear movie showtimes before the internet was up to, like, 56K. So I remember just calling, and they would just like list the movies, like The Princess Diaries, Scream, or Press Five for Spider-Man: Homecoming. And you'd press five, and you'd get like a trailer, and they'd be like, "Spider-Man: Homecoming showing at Clearview Cinema at five o'clock." Yep. So different than the way we do things today. But shout out to Movie Phone <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Movie Phone himself. Yes, Mr. Movie Phone. I know they had MoviePhone.com for a while. It might still exist, but I think Fandango kind of took over what they were trying to do. So. Joey, uh, your thoughts on this category, some of your favorite films this year, and what you ended up picking? You know, I think this was another good year. We talked about this before, about how you covered a really wide swath of movies, both the some of the biggest ones of all time, like Ferris Bueller, your most recent episode, some ones that I had never heard of before, like Angus and stuff like that. Covered some of my favorite movies, I think my favorite high school movies ever, possibly this year. I mean, you still haven't covered Clueless, and I'm you know going to keep harping <laughs> on that, but... I went with a movie that I don't think this should come as a surprise that you and I surprisingly un- unexpectedly also talked about on Too Fast Too Forever. We've mentioned it before already, but American Graffiti, like it was a movie that I really liked. And then it was one of the very few movies that I've seen this year where I like finished watching it. And I was like, oh, I need to watch that again. And I haven't yet, but like it was one of those where I was just like, I want to watch that again immediately. And I think that it's just like a kind of a comfort hangout one. It's similar in that way to Dazed and Confused, but It just, there's something special about that movie, I feel like, where, you know, nothing happens and a lot happens. And that was my pick. But, you know, if if you went with American Graffiti, I love that. I love Blockers. I love Days and Confused. I love Ferris Bueller. What else on this list? I love Scream. I love Spider-Man. I didn't mention Weird Science. I put that on the list as well. I like Weird Science a lot, too. Like, I don't think, there's a few that I'd be like, "Mm, let's, you know, let's see. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of good nominees in here, I think. I want to give some love to Dazed and Confused because so many people love that film. I really love that film. But it's one of those that I mentioned before that I don't know if too many people fit in a lot of these categories. And I think that's just like, kind of like the Linklater style and the way the movie goes, there's not like, there's no one or two characters that really stand out. It's more like a day in the life. Well, I think it's because like a lot of movies, and this is not an insult on in any way to your podcast. It's just like the type of movies you're covering is that like a lot of movies have characters that are shortcuts. It's like 
oh, he is the class clown. You're going to bring with him, like, what this means, like, what that kind of role, that archetype is, right? It's just like, here's a shortcut. You know exactly kind of who he is. You imbue it with meaning and with past instances and stuff like that. And I feel like that's something you've noticed on your show a lot. It's like, there are certain archetypes, certain characters, certain tropes that you just see time and time again because they're the kind of things that pop up again and again. They're a shortcut to storytelling. Like, you don't have to spend an entire time, you know, defining who a character is or what a relationship is because there's such a history, there's such a lineage in terms of those characters or whatever. But I feel like Dazed and Confused, it's not that as much because they are, for lack of a better word, kind of like real people, right? These are just people mm-hmm. hanging out on a night and I feel they don't fit into most artistic or hunk or prom queen or whatever because like they're not the stereotypical archetypal whatever for a high school movie they're just kind of more well-rounded more realistic people yeah i agree and i i think our guest matt delhauer who's been an awesome addition to the podcast so far on you're the two welcome episodes, <laughs> on the two episodes he's been on an... and it was one of those movies where when i was really young it gave me like a sense of like wonder about high school <laughs> And I had this, this, you know, sort of, I guess, a fear of it, but also like this rosy colored view because it's, you know, everything seemed like everything was so cool in this movie and everybody's hanging out with everybody. And like, there's no real divide amongst the grades. Like, you know, granted, you've got the the soon to be seniors running around paddling freshmen, which luckily (laughs) I was able to avoid in my high school career. It has this real like you're hanging out with friends feeling to it that was just so unusual to me when it came to watching any kind of a movie. Oh my god, absolutely. Like for me, this is not a movie I was too too familiar with. I mean, I obviously knew about it from being in the culture and stuff, but I maybe watched it for the first time I think after high school, which is weird. And this is the first time in years that I've seen it and like really paid attention to it. I purposely avoid films after I've started the podcast unless I'm covering them that week so Mm. it's been a while and oh my god again I'm so excited to talk about it I assume you enjoy this film I mean oh I do okay this was one that I had to honestly think back when you you had told me like hey send me a list of like your favorite movies about high school and like I had said with the brick one I had to think to myself like what the hell is a movie about high school (laughs) And when I I came across this while looking a bunch of, you know, high school movies up, I was like, oh, hell yeah, man. Dazed and Confused. I remember that. And like, it was also one that I hadn't seen in a long while. I literally had to watch it today because my schedule was so weird. But it's, it's a movie that going back, even watching it when I'm 30 compared to when I was like 13, it's still one that like, it just brings a smile to my face. This movie has no plot and that doesn't matter (laughs) right like i wrote down like so much happens and yet nothing happens and yeah i'm totally okay with that like i think maybe one person in the whole movie has character development in any fashion and even then it's really not a lot it's just after worrying about it all night randall decides i'm not gonna sign your no drugs contract (laughs) and that's about it but that that made it so awesome to me because like that's pretty accurate in like a less than 24 hour period it's very rare that real people have character development theoretically in that period so i don't know oh yeah Uh, i loved it the things that really stuck out to me this time was what we're talking about in terms of like the quote-unquote like no plotness of it but also just like the almost timeless quality like obviously it's a period piece but gun to my head like if i didn't read what date this movie came out i wouldn't be able to tell you because it it looks like it could be long in that time you know what i'm saying yeah and that really struck me this time 
And the third thing was the soundtrack. I can only imagine for a movie that didn't have that big of a budget how much they had to pay for just the songs. Uh, looking up the trivia, I don't know if they ever gave like an actual price point, but I believe they spent one-sixth of the entire budget of the movie on just getting the rights to all of the songs that they use. Which is crazy. <laughs> but I get it. I, yeah. def- I definitely get it. That's a big thing about specifically with this movie, is that this is one where this movie I think would be very different if it wasn't for the songs that are in it. It's a movie that doesn't have to take place in 1976. It only did because that was when Richard Linklater was in high school. So for him, it was, I'm, I'm basing this off of what high school was like for me. But it's, I think the soundtrack is what really kind of backs up the rest of this movie because it gives a very authentic feel to the world it's building. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it kind of reminded me of American Graffiti in that sense. Absolutely. And it, it's funny enough, as I was watching a... Um, a behind-the-scenes documentary today as well, where they were talking about the making of the movie, and that was how he pitched it to Universal initially, was he was like, I want to do my own version of American Graffiti, but, like, in the 70s. Wow. I mean, that that makes total sense, just from the music and not as big of a cruising element, but there certainly is a big cruising element. Oh, yeah. So since you did watch the the behind-the-scenes, I'm sure I'm just going to be saying things you know, but maybe not everyone knows out there. Most of my guests I get through your connections at Ramapo. So I'm not going to lie about that. I guess they're originally, for me, Kyle's connections, because Kyle knew Mike Manzi, and Mike Manzi tangentially knew you through a podcast called The Cage Club. I guess it's just called Cage Club, right? Yep. It's not called The Cage Club. It's called Cage Club, (laughs) the Nicholas Cage podcast, technically on iTunes. Go check it out. (laughs) He was a great guest for that film. He was also on our Brick episode as well, and I loved talking about it with him. I loved watching it. You know, and it's a... It reminds me, you, you gotta do the classics, you gotta do the classic. But of course, that did not win. You shouldn't be surprised by the winner. A classic oh, no, of course one. Not. <laughs> and that is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I guess we saved the best for last this sophomore year. But I mean, I can't disagree with this. I, I agree. I actually voted for it. Larson and I both really enjoyed it. It got A plus. An A plus for me. Well, I was a kid of the 80s and. I grew up on movies. Uh, My family had cable TV back when that was sort of a rare thing, for middle-class families at least. And I didn't have the best home life in the 80s, so movies were my whole life. And growing up in the 80s, there were certain movies that you just watched over and over again. The Back to the Future, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Star Wars... But for me, Ferris Bueller, I mean, of course, I loved all of those, but Ferris Bueller was something totally different. Mostly, it represented this 80s view of high school, this idyllic, and maybe that's not specifically an 80s thing, having this sort of idealized version of high school. I mean, I feel like it's more realistic in in more modern high school movies, right? For sure, this is something we see a lot in the 80s, and this might be the pinnacle of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the 80s version of high school was just this never-ending party where pranks were always being pulled and the authority figures were always befuddled losers, (laughs) and everyone got away with everything, and it was just the best. And here I am, like... 
you know, 12 years old watching these movies. Younger, Jesus, eight maybe. I was eight years old, and, and this was high school to me. And I was like, you know what? Grade school, middle school, they fucking suck. But when I get to high school, man... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a nonstop party. And it was kind of a rude awakening for me when I got to high school because I expected it to be, you know, Shermer High. <laughs> but by that time, it was the 90s, which were, um, I always say the 80s were the best time to be a kid and the 90s were the best time to be a teenager. But it was not the 80s when I got there. And that was kind of a disappointment because <laughs> Ferris Bueller had... I watched Ferris Bueller so many times growing up and so many times over the years. And it's now one of those movies that I'll just put on in the background. I don't like putting on stuff in the background that I haven't seen a gazillion times. Mm -hmm. If it's something I can close my eyes and picture every scene, I'll put that on in the background. I'm not going to binge a TV show in the background. Like, I don't know. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Ferris Bueller is one of those movies. I can close my eyes and see every scene in my head perfectly. There were probably times in my life where I could have recited the entire film beginning to end. <laughs> it was such a huge part of my childhood and my life. It's so weird because I, I've never really offered my services for any specific movie on this podcast. It's always been just something I've been asked to do, and I feel like if I were to have picked any movie to talk about, it would have been this one, and I didn't even think to, because it's such an iconic one that it's, I have to say, it's a huge honor to be asked to talk about this with you on this podcast. Well, I mean, I thought you'd be the perfect guest, and you're right, we didn't talk about Ferris Bueller before this, but... Just something told me that you would have a similar history with this film. Like, everything I, I know about you would indicate <laughs> that this is a film you saw a lot. I'd be shocked if you're like, hey, this is my first watch. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, I really screwed up. Huh? <laughs> no, it, it turns out you're an excellent judge of character, Brian. <laughs> and I have a very similar history with the film in a sense that I think a lot of people have very similar history with the film, at least people in a certain age frame. I don't know about like children today, but I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. It was on when I was growing up, it was on TV a lot. Like, I don't know whether it was like TBS or USA or one of those oh, networks, sure. but it was on a lot. So, you know, you'd just be maybe eating dinner or with your family together or just alone, and you'd pop into one scene or pop into another scene. I don't know if I ever, all those times, I don't know if I ever said, oh, Ferris Bueller's on, watched it from the opening, watched it to the end. But I still knew everything, and I was thinking about this as I was watching it. It might be the movie that I've seen the most in my life. And I didn't even like realize that until, kind of like what you were saying, like I was putting the scenes back together again. Usually... When we do a movie for this podcast, I'm like intently taking notes, watching. I might rewind again because I missed something. I didn't have to do that here. Not that I would because I did want to like do a lot of research and stuff. Or if yesterday you told me, hey, go on my podcast and talk about Ferris Bueller and I hadn't seen it in a while, I still could talk about it a lot. And I'm sure you're the same <laughs> too. You know, this is, this is just ingrained <laughs> into a lot of people's hard drives of a certain generation. Let me tell you something. Normally when I, when I go on any podcast, and especially this one, because we have 
such great conversations on this podcast, and I, I want to be fresh. So not that I'm procrastinating, but I will watch it as close to the recording as possible just so it's fresh in my mind. And so around 2, 3 o'clock this afternoon, I sat down to watch Ferris Bueller, and I was like, I don't need to take notes. <laughs> right? I mean, not like I wouldn't sit down and watch it again, because I would do that anytime. But I was like, I don't need to. I was born to talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Hmm. But I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask anyway, because I have to. Them the rules. But <laughs> on an A plus to F scale, what will you grade Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I am giving it a solid A plus. A plus for me as well. I didn't realize it maybe till discussing it in this watch but this might be the reason i do this podcast this is such a formative film for me it's such an important film it, it might be my favorite high school film when this is all said and done and I, I just love it so much i'd love to hear its detractors or people who don't like it I, i'm open to listening to that but nothing on this watch made me think oh it wasn't as good as i originally thought it was and that's always my fear yeah, for sure. That was kind of my fear as well. I thought maybe by <laughs> overanalyzing it, I, I might appreciate it less, but I kind of just want to go and watch it all over again as soon as we get done with this. And I'm actually interested in, you know, because if it's 80%, then some people probably gave it some shitty reviews. I'd like to read what they have to say certainly not going to agree with them but a lot of it was about the adults portrayal and stuff and we're not going to get into this today but if you don't jive with like oh here's this white male who's getting everything he wants in his life that doesn't sit well with a lot of people maybe today you know i, I don't know when i watch these movies if i'm going to enjoy them as much as i did in either when i was younger or even in my recreation time and i just have it on in the background but i really enjoyed the movie and uh yeah i mean it's it's a classic and iconic high school film that's for sure yeah you know i'm glad we ended with a little bit of ferris bueller's day off because it is a classic film you always harp on me for not covering the classics and i was thinking i'd really like to do something that you do a lot and have uh, what, what do you call it your march madness but it doesn't always occur with march and have like a bracket eventually of the best high school films yeah but if i'm gonna do that i'm gonna need to cover some more good ones so i yeah. promise you joey we're going to get some more good ones in this junior year. And I know the answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to see us cover our junior year? Clueless. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. So, like, again, I've said this over and over every time I'm on the, the podcast. It's, it's a joke by now that I want you to cover Clueless. I don't want to be on that episode. I already talked about that on Cinemakers. But I feel like Amy Hackerling has made two, maybe arguably, the two best high school movies of all time in Clueless and Fast Times. And I would like to see you cover both of those. I would like to see other perspectives of like movies that, you know, Mike and I or Joe and I have covered, like Valley Girl, other Nicolas Cage movies, like the High School Musical movies. Again, I don't want to be on those or need to be on those. I just want to hear other perspectives, like dive into the high school element of those. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of really great movies out there. And I think you're, you're, you, I think you have like an epiphany moment, maybe halfway through your sophomore season. It's like, okay, I understand how the world works. I understand how the school works. I'm going to start doing things a little bit differently. I'm going to go like really obscure and also really popular. And uh, I think you're, you're getting there. I think you're getting there. Thanks for the ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think, but I mean, you, we had a conversation about how you're like, oh, why am I saving the biggest movies of all time for like some 
unforeseen date. Like, let oh, me start absolutely. doing some of these. So I think you, you did have, like, an epiphany moment. You're like, oh, I'm going to do some of the biggest movies of all time because, like, what am I... Like, I guess, in theory, you could have, like, your senior year be, like, the 50 biggest high school movies of all time. But at that point, it's like, <laughs> well, like, we're... Like, it's almost not fun to only do the great movies, right? Like, you have to, you have to cut in weird schlocky horror movies you have to of cut course, in of course i have a blast with those yeah. i have a blast with all these movies i'm not going to be one of those podcasts out there that just cover the hits we play the deep cuts as well in high school slumber party but i think that epiphany moment came joey when we were doing our end of year the best decades in high school film episode and that was a really really fun episode where we got to talk about a lot of these films and i was happy to be able to do that you, you're a podcast veteran, more so than I am, but I feel like I've definitely gotten better as a podcaster. Like, I probably can't even listen to my early P.S. I Love Hawkmans. But even on this show, as I was diving through older episodes and listening to last year's yearbook episode, I was like, wow, even the quality of the episodes sound worse. That doesn't mean you shouldn't listen, guys. <laughs> Go back and do some extra credit homework. And you can find our archive at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. The pro in not doing those movies early on is that I feel like I have a better grip on things now in terms of what I want out of a guest, what kind of guest I want to pick for certain episodes, how I want to talk about something, and and where I want to go with conversations and where I want the guests to go. Not that I'm controlling everything, but you know what I mean. To that point, I don't want to just blow smoke up your ass, but I think the Ferris Bueller episode was a great example of it that you talked about with Larson. You're like, we could talk about this for 10 hours, but I think we've done enough. And I think knowing what to include, what not to include, the format of the show, the flow of the show, what to cover, what not, the facts you bring in, the way that you're able to edit drop-in clips, and not even just like long clips, like single sentence. Like, you know how to do your show in the way that you want to do your show. And I think if you had done Ferris Bueller, if you had like led off with Ferris Bueller, you would be like, oh, I, I want to do that again. I feel like I didn't do it justice. But I think by putting it 126th or whatever, right? Like you, you've had enough runway to use Fast and Furious lingo, world's longest <laughs> runway. You've had enough runway to like build up and know like exactly how you want to cover one of your favorite movies or maybe your favorite movie. Yeah, and I think we're always getting better at our craft. That's not like saying, oh, I'm the best now. Of course not. I'm not even close to the best. <laughs> not saying that. But n- now, you know, you're right. Like it- it's time to cover a lot of these. I started to cover a lot of these and I can't wait, but I'll also still cover the obscure ones. So I pulled up a list from one of my favorite I guess websites, podcast networks, The Ringer. I love their movie stuff on there. I love their sports stuff on there as well. And it's the 25 best high school films. I'm not going to read them all, but I'm just going to go through films that I haven't covered yet that I look forward to covering. And and the first one's near and dear to your heart because that's high school musical. <laughs> we'll have to do a big blowout with that. That's for of sure. Of course. Also on this list is a fun film that's not going to be popular with everyone. She's All That. Can't wait to talk about that one. House Party is on the list as well. 21 Jump Street, another movie you've probably covered. 21 is great. 22 is amazing. I love 22. Technically can't cover it. I like 22 Jump Street better. 21 Jump Street is still good. Um, Heathers is another film. Say Anything. It was like borderline on my list because it doesn't really take place 100% in high school. But I've done enough films that are iffy. So we're definitely going to cover it. Also, John Cusack. I don't hate you as much as I did before. To, To clarify, I never hated John Cusack. I was upset, but I'm a little bit more over it than I was. (laughs) Carrie, we're definitely going to cover next year. Election. Huh? We're in an election year. Think I might drop that around November. What say you? A classic we have yet to do is 10 Things I Hate About You. You mentioned Fast Times. 
You mentioned Clueless, which, by the way, The Ringer says is the number one high school film. Mean Girls is another movie I haven't done. And there's a more recent film that I haven't done that I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about this movie. And that's Lady Bird. So just right there, we got a lot of work to do, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to stay after class this junior year. So I guess, is this the time to find out? Do we graduate sophomore year? Or do we have to do summer school? Well, let me ask you first, Joey. Did you complete the assignment that I asked you to complete at the beginning of this podcast? Do you know what your sleeping bag is? I'm putting all the grades of all the sophomores in the entire High School Slumber Party 2020 sophomore class on your back. And I want to know if you did your assignment and figured out what your sophomore year sleeping bag is going to look like. Well, so here's the thing. I've been thinking about this, and I don't have one that's particularly for the sophomore year, but I think a genuinely very cool sleeping bag would be the High School Slumber Party podcast art in the form of a sleeping bag. I think the coloring is great. I think the font is great. I think being wrapped up in the soothing sounds of you as you drift off to sleep. And like, I think you've talked about on here about how like, you know, old slumber parties and just, you know, people talking and people stop talking as they fall asleep, but just imagining like one person keeps talking, but the person who keeps talking is just someone playing your podcast, but just the intros to your podcast so that like, it's only the smooth sounds of your voice just going through and then just continuing. You wake up to the sounds of high school slumber party and do it all again. So I think a nice high school slumber party branded sleeping bag, which by the way, you should absolutely sell. I don't know that anybody would buy those, but man, (laughs) that would be a great, like in terms of like anybody can have a shirt, anybody can have a hat, anybody can have a mug, anybody can have a sticker, but like a high school slumber party sleeping bag. Hell yeah. Ooh, teacher's pet, Joey. I like it. No wonder you're, you're a Hufflepuff. (laughs) Your virtue is true. I'm going to give you an A-plus for that assignment, a passing grade. Like, not to, like, telegraph someone giving an award to me because that's, like, the cockiest thing you could do. But that would also be, like, a good, like, all the slumberers pitched in and bought me the High School Slumber Party sleeping bag on the final episode. If I were to write High School Slumber Party as, like, a sitcom or, like, a series, that's what the finale would be like. But more realistically, I'll probably end up making that myself because that sounds awesome. Great idea I love there. it. Yeah. (laughs) So you know what? For that, Joey, no summer school this year. Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to pass the slumbers. You guys all get get a pass for your sophomore year. We're going to move on to junior year. Does that mean that I will see you in September? Does it? Yes, it will. (laughs) But do you think that means that we're not going to have any episodes this summer? Absolutely not. Because you're going to have to earn your keep here. If you're not going to be in school, you're going to have to get a summer job. And luckily, I've secured one for you. You ready for this, Joey? You ready I'm for this ready. Summer? I'm so ready. This summer, you're going to be taking a babysitting job. Oof. That's right. We're going to be talking babysitting movies every Monday. It's a fun thing that I've wanted to do for a while now. And that's how you're going to earn, earn your keep, if you will. I just don't want you laying on the couch or laying by the pool all summer. I don't want you being lazy. You need to stimulate your mind. You need to earn some cash. The allowance is up. You got to pay for things now. You're a sophomore going into a junior. Actually, don't they say once the year is over, you're technically the next grade, right? That's what the teachers used to tell me. So you're a junior now. It's time to earn your keep in the high school slumber party home. It's time to get a job, and you're going to be babysitting. What say you? I love it. We're rising juniors. It's time to have a little bit more responsibility. It's time to earn our keep, to pay our way. What better way than to, I guess, just hang out with babies and kids and stuff? (laughs) 
It's weird yes. when you break it down like that, but it makes sense. Yes, but there is enough high school babysitting movies, some great ones, some very obscure ones like cheerleading, and we're going to rock this for the majority of the summer. And again, I can't wait. You're signed up for a big one. I'm not going to I'm not going to tease it yet, but it isn't. You know what? Let's tease it. It's next Monday's film. The first the kickoff. Joey, since you're here and you're the one who who gave the A-plus grade for all our sophomores with your great sleeping bag pick. I'm assigning you to your first babysitting assignment, and that's with maybe the slumberer's favorite guest, at least on the top three, <laughs> and that's Kate Hudson. It's in her Hudson 5. She'll be on it, and now you'll be on it, and that's Adventures in Babysitting. I mean, before, I don't know, I didn't mean to, you know, to spoil it before, but you mentioned Elizabeth Shue in Karate Kid, and I said, ooh, because we knew, I knew, that we're going to get Elizabeth Shue soon. Close to my heart for a Nicolas Cage movie. Close to my heart for a Tom Cruise movie. Close to my heart now for a high school slumber party movie. The Elizabeth Shue trifecta. Great. I mean, I love her. She's the best. Oh, good. Good Karate Kid unintentional. Or maybe it was intentional. Did you intentionally mean to, mean to say the song from Karate Kid? Or, You're the best. Around. I did not. No, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, no, Elizabeth Shue, I love Elizabeth Shue. It's amazing how much coverage she has on this podcast network. But yeah, she's great, and I can't wait to talk about that movie. It might be one of my favorite uh, high school films, so that's next Monday. But this Friday, we're going to open up with another film with two people who are very important to this show as well. And that's, what, what is his title on this show? Mike Manzi, he's... The super senior, he's yes. the assistant teacher, he's so many things. He's probably my most tenured guest, I would have to guess. He's going to be on with someone I mentioned earlier who's been a new friend, a great friend, and a star of a high school film, and that's Charlie Talbert. They're getting together, they're talking about a movie that I haven't really seen yet, and that's 3 O'Clock High. 3 O'Clock High will be this Friday with Charlie and Mike, and next Monday will be adventures in babysitting looking forward to the babysitting summer looking forward to this sophomore year any final thoughts on anything you want to plug joey i do i want to before i plug anything i do want to i don't want to be too much of a suck up too much of a teacher's pet but i do have a gift for you Ooh, wow this this is a more profitable episode than i imagined so here i'm putting in a link in here so this is something i've been wanting to do for a while and i look this is a gift for you that's going to require you to do a little bit of homework oh the best gifts (laughs) so I wanted to do this for a while, and I never got around to it. And then you mentioned on the Ferris Bueller's Day Off episode something that could be handled by this. So I made a spreadsheet called High School Slumber Party, The Stats. And so in this, there's the episode number, the movie name, the guest, one, two, or three of them. Column F is what you talked about with Larson, the movie setting. But then I also want you to keep track. This is, again, this is an ongoing thing, bettering yourself who won the Cameron Fry Award? Who won the Long Duck Dong Award? Who won the Wooderson Award? Then what did you what did you and your guests rate the movie? Ooh. And then the rent to get one free. It's like the spreadsheet of all things Slumber Party. Like I, my original idea was to create a letterbox for you and to create like a metric for rating all these. But I was like, I, that means I need to go back and listen to at least the end of every episode. <laughs> I've got too many things going on. But while you know, last night, and then while we were recording today, I put the final touches on this. So I did the work for you. I, I created the template. Wow. I put in all the movies and all the guests, and I put in the most recent setting and ratings. So they're there. So this is now, I mean, if you don't want to use it, you don't have to, but I feel like as the teacher, you needed your grade book. And this, what better way to have a grade book than a modern day grade book of Google Sheets? Absolutely. This is a great gift. Uh, wait, what's movie setting? 
So that's like where the movie was set. So like you talked about like Chicago, oh, so we were talking about how oh, like you perfect. wanted to keep oh. track of like is it the valley? Is it Chicago? Where is it actually taking place? And so Whoa, that was that was it. actually honestly that conversation, that one throwaway line you had with Larson last night, uh, that was what was like I got to do this. This is great. This is great. I'm very very excited. Again, I did like twenty percent of the work and I left eighty percent for you to do, but you know, go for it. Well, Joey, as a return gift to you. There's a couple problems with this list that you're going to have to help me solve. We didn't start doing those categories till part of a... I know, you have to just put NAs in there. No, no, no. I want to fill them out. I want to fill them out. So I'm going to listen back to the episodes, and we might have a little special... Don't worry, you don't have to do work. You just might need to be the co-host, but we might have to have a little special where I talk about some retroactive things mm, that, mm-hmm, that I'm going to mm-hmm. assign for people. Now, it's unfeasible to retroactively have a show about everything here unless I come up with some fast format. But I'd like to, you know, retroactively go back, figure things out, and then maybe as the dawn of the network, as the godfather, maybe just get your approval on that assignment. It's going to take me a while, so don't expect it soon. But I'm a completist. I want a complete filing on this. Love it. Well, enjoy it. Well, again, this is a great gift. This this gift is going to lead to other things and maybe different kinds of award shows. And now we'll, you know, we can maybe have the tournaments like you, you said one day with all the Cameron Fries and all the uh, Woodersons and all that jazz. We'll see. But, you know, really, really, really appreciate the hard work you put into this and really appreciate everything you've done for not just the show, but the network. And I want to thank you once again for being my MC. The chair's for you. And, and, you know, unless something happens to you or our relationship, you'll be doing a lot more of these award shows in the coming years. That's for sure. Great. Well, speaking of awards, the only thing I want to plug is go to cageclub.me slash bracket, vote on the Fast and Furious Hall of Fame and the Cruise Club Awards, the Cruisies, vote on the best of both of those, and then listen to Too Fast, Too Forever, and listen to the Tom Tom Club on Fridays. Fridays are for fun. Go to cageclub.me slash Joey, find out everything I'm doing there, and just keep on listening to the High School Slumber Party. Well, again, Joey, thanks so much, and looking forward to talking to you next Monday for Adventures in Babysitting. Can't wait. Well, you heard it right there, folks. Our next episode is going to be 3 o'clock high. Our guests are going to be Charlie Talbert, Angus himself, and the super senior, the kid in the back of the class, Mike Manzi. I guess I should have known from the beginning it was going to be one of those days. His name is... Jerry Mitchell. Hi, Jerry. 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 Hi, I'm I'm Jerry Mitchell. I'm with the school paper. He just met the new kid in school. The guy's the closest thing to Charlie Manson ever seen at Weaver. Now, we're going to have a fight today after school. He's got six hours to get out of it. It's been quite a morning, Jerry. You can say that again. He'll try running. I wouldn't leave school without a good reason. He'll try bribery. If I can get the money, do you think you'd do it for me? Ravel will never bother you again. Guaranteed. He'll try robbery. I hear you're giving Jerry Mitchell a hard time. Until finally... The fight is on. You and me in the parking lot. Three o'clock. Jerry's got a lot on his mind. Ten seconds. But he's not thinking about math or English. Five seconds. Because at three o'clock, he's going to make history. There isn't going to be any fight today. (laughs) 
You definitely want to tune into that episode this Friday. That's going to be super fun. And, of course, I mentioned your babysitting assignment starts Monday, promptly at whatever time you listen to this podcast, with Adventures in Babysitting. Joey's going to be back, and we'll have Kate Hudson. You know that's going to be a great episode. That is an interesting, interesting film to talk about. And speaking of Joey, just once again, want to thank him so much for A, putting up with me, B, letting me on the Cage Club Podcast Network, and C, co-emceeing today. Just big round of applause, huge effort. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to put up with me for that long with that many categories, and I really, really, really appreciate the man that is Joey Lewandowski. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And one more thing, I appreciate you guys out there. My God, the slumberers make my life what it is. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening every week. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. I'm going to leave you with a song that Joey Lewandowski picked that would be his class song. It didn't win, but let's play it anyway. It's from Jennifer's Body. It's by Low Shoulder, and it's called Through the Trees. Later, dudes. And don't forget your babysitting assignment. It's over. Go home. Go.